Welcome to Wisco Dice. Welcome to Wisco Dice. Welcome to Wisco Dice. I expected more excitement out of that. We gotta tr- start over. All right, hey, that was pretty exciting. Okay, you go first. Then. All right. Welcome to Wisco Dice. Welcome to Wisco Dice. Welcome to Wisco Dice. Whoa! <laughs> Is it better? There are some I, new voices there. Oh yeah, I think bit. just one new voice. I guess it's really not a new voice. Well, yeah. I know it's a voice from the past. My presence does like a feel, ghost. You know, that's scary. <laughs> but All right, Darth is not really a ghost either. I can. I, <laughs> I mean, can <laughs> I'm throwing Greek logic at you and saying that's not quite correct either. He's, I I can say that for once, and this will be the only time I can probably ever say it, that somebody actually said, "Welcome to Whisper Nice," better than I did. Oh, that was nice. <laughs> it wasn't you, Brian. I know. Aww. I don't argue. <laughs> All right, so who do we have in the studio? We have Stark Raving Mad over yonder. Here. Hey, here. hey, Brian, how's it going? I made it. Yeah, I'm, I'm all right. I'm taking it, <laughs> trying to take it easy. Pushing it a little bit too much for you recently? Is that what you're saying? Eh, life is trying. School started. It's a bummer, man. I think yeah. it'll be my last hard semester. That's good. That's what I'm keeping my mindset on, and trying not to stress out about not doing homework and. <laughs> All right, and we are joined also by PJ Shard, also known as Paul Wagner. Holy I know, I'm here. What's yeah, who is this guy? I mean, I don't remember any Paul Wagner. Why, why would anybody want to talk to you about Warhammer, dude? I don't know, and people block me on Twitter all the time because they don't want to listen <laughs> to me. So, I mean, I don't really have a good answer for you, but hey. Paul's the old original. If you don't remember, go back to old Wisco Dice episodes one through something or other. Yeah. And Paul is uh, the original co-host for the show. So correct, Mundo. Congratulations for coming back and stepping up and being with us for this episode. And of course, you're joined with me, myself, and I. That is the Conzi with the most. Woo! Yeah. Miniatures. That Here. is most miniatures. Yeah, probably not the most. <laughs> Although I'm pretty sure I can still give old Ben Diesel a run for his money. <laughs> Well, that's just because he plays filth armies and he, you know, goes out, buys only that build and then sells them after he wins. <laughs> I, I don't, I build the opposite though. I don't build filth armies. I just build a, a wasteland. <laughs> you build orcs <laughs> and then you complain about the fact that you're playing orcs. I haven't built any orcs in a long time. I should build you some haven't orcs. Played any orcs <laughs> then you're just going to complain about the fact that you're building orcs. Yeah, that's probably true. Well, anyway. Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So today we're going to go ahead and. Get, we've gotten together for our 40th episode. This is a what? big one for us, a what, milestone. What? Four zero. Is that silver or something? I don't know how many anniversaries go. There's a color really. <laughs> Most <laughs> people get gets excited about 50 or so, but I don't think yeah. we're gonna hit 50 this year. So we had to have a milestone episode. This was what we we're gonna use. Sounds good. Yep, yep. So yep, it's kind of a big deal for us, and we'd be able to coordinate things so Paul could actually be on and join us and. Brian, of course, you've been with us uh, as the co-host for a while now, so it's old co-host with new co-host. It's great. Fight! (laughs) (laughs) It's the battle of the co-hosts. combat! Anyway, sorry. I'm a little off Hostality. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so what do we intend to cover today? I think it's something about busy schedules. It is something about busy schedules. How the F do we find time to play a game, man? Yeah, that's that's kind of thing. What do you, what happens when you're locked up with busy schedules? I think we've got two kind of experts in the in the studio today, right now, that can tell us all about what busy schedules are. Uh, so, Brian, we've kind of gotten the idea that you know you were going to go back to school here this fall, and that was going to make things go kind of haywire. 
And having talking to you, spoken, or having talking to you, what kind of language is that? Having uh, spoken so language. to you, yeah, having spoken to you recently off the show, we kind of got that idea that things are definitely not going the way you would probably like them to as far as time-wise. You've been extremely yeah. busy. A little bit. I mean, that was my, I think I was two weeks down when I first talked to you. I think I have a better good, a, be- a better good, I have a better <laughs> attitude. <laughs> yeah, and he doesn't give you any crap about not having good English, but me, he just, We're just all, the table all right away. Of, don't you remember not how knowing to how to be? talk? <laughs> but I don't know, this week I've had a better attitude about it, even though I've had more work actually, but my weekend's worked out pretty good so far, but. Well, that's pretty cool. I'm just trying to take it easy. I mean, stressing over it's not really going to help anything. So it's more just weighing my time spent doing my endless amounts of homework and <laughs> having some fun of time in there along with the amount of time I know I'm going to screw off to. Sure. <laughs> and Brian, or, and Brian, as I point to Paul, Paul, uh, I, what's your kind of, I know you've got an edge of expertise here on, on being busy. I know when you left the show, mm-hmm. you were, one child into it and did you know you were having a second one yet or nope at that point i did not no but they're definitely the, between the multiple jobs and whatever mm-hmm. they kind of got pretty crazy moving and oh yeah so you've got a you know you've got kind of an expertise angle on on trying to manage gaming with a busy schedule i know for quite a while there you just kind of dropped off the face of the earth nobody saw you on the internet mm-hmm. nothing it was kind of like a little bit weird, but we definitely knew it was kind of coming. You know, you were very, very busy coming up into that, into that finale episode there for you. Yeah, it's a lot about just it was a whole life change, and when you expect a life change to happen, you can kind of prepare for it. But when you don't know if your life is changing or not, you really can't prepare for it, and you just got to wait for a decision to come down from on high and then adjust to it. Ugh. And it it took me a while to adjust and. uh now it's much, much better, but now it's less than a month from when my second child is due, so oh. <laughs> it's more of a stay at home, help take care of the kid, and make sure my wife has some time to sleep or do some of her own stuff, so it's a different kind of a time crunch, but one that I'm a little used to at this point. Life change number two coming here very shortly, is that what we're hearing? Oh, yeah. <laughs> but it's more of the same. So at least I won't be quite as flailing around as I was after the first one, hopefully. You, you go from 50% of your available time to work on hobby to 25% of your available time to work on hobby. <laughs> yes, but I can watch the baby and do hobby at the same time, whereas watching the 18-month-old and doing hobby at the same time can be a little bit more challenging. <laughs> but if I could just have the baby, like, you know, sitting on my chest, I can paint all I want, and I'm watching the baby. <laughs> so we'll see. All right. So... Brian, what have, what have, have you done anything, managed to get anything done the last couple of weeks, hobby-wise? I think so. It's hard to think of the time frame from last time. I believe... Well, I we played... A, we, we did your, your last hurrah of gaming yeah, for the summer I all that, but weekend. Sure. Yeah, I... We talked about that already or not? That was Yeah, well, we the did whole, the battle report yeah, was the, the end of that report. weekend. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And then, I'm not sure... It might have been right after that. My other five ghouls are pretty well done. I had a little flub on the basing again. I don't know what the heck happens with my basing, but I had the same problem. Like, I did those five, and I tried to do the next five, and my bases look completely different. <laughs> so that was really frustrating, trying to figure out what the heck I did. I'm pretty sure I wrote, like, I actually write down, because I know I don't remember now, <laughs> not, like, what colors I use. But I'm pretty sure I wrote down the wrong color, so I figured that out. But then I still don't have my top highlight 
quite the right color. And then they do look different, like, between when you first do the things. I put a pretty heavy wash on them, so it seems like it takes a good week for it to dry, like, completely to where it'll really be the final color, because I still haven't quite matched those up perfectly, so I don't know what the heck happened there. So I have to figure that out. Otherwise, those are, like, done, done, so I have ten ghouls done. That's excellent. And then my first week of homework, I was kind of bouncing back and forth between whenever I needed a break from homework, I was doing some hobby. I got four of the... uh, Whatever they're called. Bolt action dudes together. Four Americans. Oh, okay. Almost one guy short of a capable Of an actual squad. squad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that was kind of cool putting those guys together. That was the first run of them I've had. I was hoping to get a little farther so we could finally run a game. I think we had like 210 points or something weird. Something before. like that, yeah. So I need like two squads and a commander pretty much or whatever. Yeah. To run that. So... I don't know. This I haven't done any hobby besides that at all in the past couple of weeks, though. That was like my first week, and these last two I've done nothing at all. <laughs> okay. Haven't played games. Haven't even yeah looked at them. Okay. So Paul, have you managed to get any hobby done in uh what is it eight or nine months? <laughs> oh yeah, some not a whole lot, <laughs> but some. There was a a good several months of just getting everything packed up and into storage and getting everything unpacked and out of storage. <laughs> and so there was a whole, uh, probably about four or five months of just dead time in there. But I've finally gotten the hobby bug back again since my life settled down. And I've gotten some pretty significant hobby done actually in the last month. Um, I've been working on specifically one Dark Elf Sorceress. I don't know. I really wanted to do the best that I possibly could. And so I sat down, I kind of watched some painting tutorials on YouTube, talked to a couple people, and and got a good idea in my head of how to get the color that I wanted. So I was painting the Stark Elf Sorceress, and I started out from the old base color purple that was, uh, what was it called, a base coat, the Hormigant purple base coat from the old range. I water that down to a decent degree to get some really nice, just kind of milk textured paint. Started putting it on the miniature, really liked the color of it, and then I started just mixing straight in elf flesh and slowly built it up and slowly built it up over the course of, I don't know, eight, ten hours. And it just came out perfect. It wasn't what I envisioned in my head because I really didn't have an image in my head of what Hormigant purple and elf (laughs) flesh looked like. But it came out really, really well. And then I did the same thing with orange, and it came out this really kind of... I call her the Sherbet Sorceress, because she looks a little bit just like, you know, Sherbet, as opposed <laughs> to very pastel So um, I painted most of her details orange and purple in that pastel color, and then I painted her hair white. And I was pretty unsatisfied with the white. I just... I don't know. I don't enjoy painting white at all. But I talked to Dan Quirk, who's also known as, uh, I believe it's Film Karai on Twitter. He's also known as Karai on a lot of the Warhammer forums as well. He does a really nice blue color on all this stuff. He's done a, a really nice blue ogre army, if you ever saw. He also did a gorgeous wood elf army that had a ton of conversions. It had all of his dryads are coming out of the trees. He had this forest dragon that was coming out of a tree as okay. well. Um, he's, if you go on the Ogre Stronghold, he's got a, a bunch of really beautiful armies. And right now he's working on, um, I think he actually just finished a Warriors of Chaos army. And he's got this beautiful blue 
that starts out as a really nice rich blue, works up to a red, and just is absolutely gorgeous. And so I asked him what his recipe was for that. I was very interested in it for my spider writers. And so he gave me the recipe, and he didn't actually use GW White. He used Menoth White Highlight by P3. Hmm. And since I've always been a little bit unhappy with the white from GW, I thought I'd give that a try. And I must say, I'm really happy with that. It's got a nice, even coverage. It doesn't kind of turn the miniature chalky, like when I've tried to use the regular white, or has too little paint to really cover any other color that I have beneath it. And so I used Menoth White on all the white areas of the miniature and then highlighted up again from Menoth White to GW White, Skull White, and that actually worked out really, really well. It doesn't have a ton of definition because I didn't do any shading or anything underneath the first coat of Menoth White, but it's the first white that I'm actually very, very happy with the way it turned out. And I got the miniature to a place that I was really, really happy with, and then I was just kind of decided to explore a little bit with the basing. It's for um, a little 10-man squad that I'm working on to kind of make a regiment of renowned army. And I just kind of ran outside, found a piece of bark dust, a little piece of wood that I thought looked really interesting, came inside, washed it off, super glued it down to the base, and then I kind of went through... I didn't kind of. Then I went through Golden Demon miniatures and looked at the basing on them. I have the Death World basing kit from GW. I have two of them because they've got a ton of little spiders in them, which is perfect for my Spider Rider army. And I've got two different sizes of slate, and I've got some brass etch ivy, some brass etch uh, little plants as well. And I decided to just kind of go to town with this base and see what I could do. So I took the little piece of wood, and then I started placing slate on it to build up a little rock pile on either side of it to give my sorceress a place for both of her feet to stand. And then I put a little bit of a little plastic skull underneath and a little cave on the left-hand side. And then I started to use this brass etch to put some ivy climbing up the wood and then a fern. Well, it's, it's more of just like a regular leaf coming off the side. And then I worked up the staff, which I was a little unhappy with, into a really nice color and then put a sprig of ivy climbing up the staff and going out the top. Hmm. And... I'm just very, very happy with how the whole concept turned out. The colors seem to tie together really, really well. The sorceress has her own color scheme, and the base kind of has its own color scheme. But this green of the ivy and the the little leaves tie together really, really well and kind of ties the piece together into one whole miniature, one idea. And I was very, very happy with that. So I've actually started working on a couple other miniatures as well, I have a, the Squig Hopper, who won Worst Painted at Raj Podge a couple of years ago. <laughs> I'm on a personal mission to make that a gorgeous miniature. And I've got the green on the goblin skin down very, very well. I've got the Menoth White a little bit better because it was my second time using that. So his robe is now Menoth White. The Squig underneath is blue highlighted up. And then I've actually started highlighting the bottom of the miniature with a very bright yellow to turn that into a blue to green to yellow transition and just trying to really push my skills as a painter and after having a couple conversations with Dan Quirk having uh, watching a couple of um, Dr. Faust's painting clinics little painting videos and just trying it out myself I feel like I finally got an idea of how paint goes on the miniature for me 
and how to really get the colors and get the idea that I want. Even if I don't have a finished product in mind, I can get an idea and get the paint to mm-hmm. lay on the miniature the way that I want to. And so that's been, that was a real breakthrough for me about the last week. <laughs> sure. No, and, it's always a learning experience. Yeah. And so I'm really excited about that. And then also to top it off, I found I wanted to do some very stark edge highlighting. And for me, that's a very 40K thing. So I bought some 40K miniatures. Round bases. Yeah, I know. I I went off the dark <laughs> side. and They're all evil. Yeah. I found... Six stealth suits for Tau for 15 bucks, and then discovered in my bit box, 24 more fire warriors, 16 crew, and 10 more drones. So I guess I have a 750 point force of Tau. So I've been Yay. working on assembling those, so. Well, that's exceptional. I mean, it, it, it's, as long as you're working on something, working on something with a miniature, I guess that's okay. I, I can't, I can't give you too much of a hard time. I started off the year and pumped out a bunch of space marines. Yeah. yeah. Stupid imperial scum. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, you know, it's always cruising along. So, uh, kind of talking a little bit about what I've been doing in the hobby. I've been working mostly on painting terrain pieces and putting together terrain pieces. So kind of where we left off last episode in 39, I was talking about getting that wizard's tower put together. Well, I finished that actually off. I got it all built and I, not only did I finish it, but I got it painted and put up pics on a bunch of different groups. And I was really, particularly, uh, the fans of her starts group on Facebook was particularly really complimentary and a nice group to, to join and share that with, even though it's pretty much, uh, you know, I didn't expect it to get that kind of response. You know, being pretty much a stock her starts thing with little to no variance from the, from the normal, putting together, you know, the recipe uh, piece. But, it, yeah, it was really cool to get that kind of positive reinforcement about a product or a project. You did throw in some extra little bits and stuff in it, I think is probably what kind of put it over the top, I would say, anyway. Yeah, there were a few little extra bits, just little simple things to kind of make it look like it was lived in and used. Yeah. I changed out the door uh, so that it was a, instead of being a square entrance, it was a rounded entrance so that I could use a, a door piece that I actually cast rather than using, uh, making a door out of like balsa or something for it. Nice. And then I also knocked out, uh, we actually played, you know, look at the pictures for, uh, the battle of episode on episode 39. The prison tower. Yeah, prison tower. I, we actually, I actually finished that. So it's all based. I've got the second floor actually has a, uh, piece of metal screen now in the place where the prison door would actually be on that level. And that's all based up, so that's that's done and actually in the bin for terrain. I put a, I also I also knocked out a hill for that table, so I'm like fifty percent of the way done with terrain for that table. So I'm I'm really looking forward to that. That'll be a nice nice addition to Mary Mayhem this year. So it'll be great. And twenty more tables to go, right? Uh, <laughs> probably about ten tables of yeah. terrain. So it'll be about nine or eight by the time this weekend's over. I think so. Very it's cool. exciting. I did actually start painting too a little bit again. I moved. I I had moved my paint desk over the summer upstairs, hope, thinking my wife was going to be working on her Grateful Undead army. Well, that ended up stopping pretty quickly <laughs> after it started. Like say two or three weeks after it started, it, she, she pretty much stopped painting on it. And so I moved uh, my paint table finally back down to the the dungeon here. And set it up next to where I've been kind of fiddling with some assembly and stuff. 
And that's been kind of a great boon to getting me back to the painting table and actually working again because now it's right there. So I'm working on terrain. Maybe I'm waiting for something to try. Instead of just kind of sitting there listening to my audiobook, I jump over to uh, putting together some, you know, painting on uh, some models. And I've been painting on, to believe it or not, I've actually been painting on dwarfs. Now, I haven't finished anything, Whoa. but I have been actually painting on dwarfs with this new kind of color scheme that I've been kind of bantering around in my head. No more purple? It's going to be, it's a, it's all blue. I'm going to do this kind of blue, uh, just kind of bright blues, uh, very similar Midnight uh, uh, <laughs> well, the blues can be very similar to the, the the light blues can be very similar to the one I've done on the Tomb Kings, ah. uh, and then a darker blue that I'm not sure if I'm completely happy with yet. But I'm it's it's still a work in progress. I really haven't finished a model yet to to really truly judge it. Um, and then I'm doing all the me- all the metallics are non metallic golds. Yeah, I saw that. So that's really cool. I think the or not, I shouldn't say non-metallic golds, but non-metallic metals. So I, I did have the one model where I put a picture up with a golds done, and then I took it to Pure Hammer this last weekend to get some advice from a couple of guys at Pure Hammer. And, the, and overall, the uh, the compliments were far better than I was expecting on the on the gold color. So I'm I'm pretty pleased with that. I, I think that's going to be the final recipe. And I would say, like Paul kind of mentioned here about looking outside of the GW paint range for colors that work for them. Obviously, when the new paint range for GW came out, I definitely talked about jumping ranges that I wasn't going to buy the new range. So I've been looking at alternative paint ranges, and I started with the Prism Paints, mm-hmm. uh, which were have been a sponsor of the show for quite some time, and I uh, have nothing bad to say about them, especially the leather the washes, the leather wash, the it's great wash. Black wash. The washes nice are that were my favorite part of the range. But I've moved on to using a lot of Reaper paints now. They're spot on. What switch you to Reaper? Just Is it the, the colors you wanted? Is it, or you had the, some the dropper bottles are really good. I really like them, but the, the flow is... I have not had a bad paint flow out of a bottle. You mean there is... There are times where you've got to... Sh- if you don't shake it up well enough... It ends up coming out with just the clear medium rather than because the medium will break down from the paint if uh-huh. over time as it settles and come to the top. Mm-hmm. So you got to shake up, you know, unlike a pot where you can mix it up really easy if you had to or whatever, you do have to shake the living dickens out of them <laughs> before you can, before you, especially if you haven't used one in a while, before you can get usable paint out of it. Mm-hmm. But once you get usable, you know, the paint flow out of the paint is just outstanding. It's a little bit thinner than, say, the normal Citadel paint or what you would get out of, like, a P3 paint coming straight out of the pot. So it requires a little bit less water when I'm working with it to, to thin it down. Coverage is exceptional. Uh, I've not had a color that doesn't work well. And then I've got to say their color range is far. They've got something like 300-ish colors. And they sell to to try to help simplify it with how they sell it. They package a lot of it in these triads. Mm-hmm. Huh. So you literally buy a triad, and it's your dark, middle, and highlight color. That's pretty cool. Yeah, and they blend beautifully together. So if you're wanting to shade those three colors to work it up, it just works amazingly. It's it's really I've really been happy with yeah. with that conversion and that addition. And I've been yeah, I mean I've been using that in combination with. Prism washes for about a year, year and a half now, and I'm really happy with it. It's definitely, I feel like it's been, it's given me the tool to raise my level of painting to the next step. Now I'm, I'm still 
got a ways to go. I feel. I mean, I always. I, th- I think if you ask the the best master painter, they would tell <laughs> you they they've always got something their next level they're going to look at trying to do. But I, I feel like I gaining ground every day that I paint and I I work on something. I feel like I'm gaining ground now. If I can just overcome, sometimes I have that patience problem where I I get frustrated because now it takes so much longer to get a finished model to the table. Yes, I was actually reading a an old White Dwarf, and they interviewed six different Golden Demon winners over the course of a year about what it took to actually paint a Golden Demon model. Every single person said, I put over a hundred plus hours into this miniature. It really just takes patience. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm like, no! Isn't there some other shortcut? Nice, simple answer? No. No. It I, just takes patience. I think to do something technically well, it takes time, 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 and repetition. Mm-hmm. There are shortcuts that you can get to a to get a finished model to a nice level, to a tabletop standard, yeah. that I wholeheartedly endorse and like. But I would fully on say that that you definitely have a model when you're painting and, and modeling, and you're doing something to a far higher level. That it's definitely about patience and and getting the technique and and learning what additives are to the paints and those kind of things more than anything else and understanding that paint flow. Mm-hmm. Making sure that every stroke that grows off the brush is going where you want it to be and doing what you intend it to do. Yep. So much intense concentration, which just doesn't seem like it, but yeah. It's a lot more intense than it seems as first at first glance. So have either of you guys, now that we can kind of talk the hobby side, have either of you guys done any actual playing of the game of Warhammer in the last, say, two, three, four weeks? I have mentioned I haven't played any kind of game. <laughs> I almost thought about blowing off homework and seeing if you're around and want to play a game of Blood Bowl or something before the <laughs> show here, but I did a little bit of homework instead. <laughs> well, it's probably the and better of the two options. That but... was really it. Like, Tuesday nights, I... Haven't really, I have a lab on Wednesday for chemistry, so I'm usually preparing my pre-lab stuff on Tuesday night. Mm-hmm. So if I plan really well, maybe this week I'll be free because I don't have to do a lab, I have to do a project, so I think I'll have that done beforehand, but who knows, so maybe I'll show up and forget how to play Warhammer again. <laughs> <laughs> and then, yeah, I have lab Wednesday night, so I haven't been to the, I was going for whatever privateer press stuff, War Machine Hordes, and I didn't make it to Pier Hammer. That would have been a cool, fun time to go to, I think, for me. But So, yeah, just haven't quite devoted a time to a game yet. Sure, sure. No, I didn't make it this week to the square myself, but I did get out there two weeks ago, and uh-huh. I played Big Ben's Ogres at 500 points. We had some confusion over when the Escalation League was going to start, and since I haven't formally announced an Escalation League start, it hasn't happened. Yeah, you can still play a 500-point game. So we, we did play a 500-point game, and it was over uh, very quickly, and I was playing... You beat I mean, him that fast? I was playing my dwarves, and he was playing... How do you play Ogres. a gut star at 500 points? There's like a, a couple of saber tusks at 21 points, okay. and then a pile of iron guts, and a yeah. character, too. Character. <laughs> yep. There's actually special rules for the ogres, because their characters are too expensive. I think you can oh, use an right. Iron Gut champion as a character for 500 points, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I, I, I don't know about that. He, he had a out of the book list, and oh. it, it was, it was a, it was kind of a silly game. I, I ended up losing it 
but I had like an all shooty list, and once he, oh, yeah. if he could get to my lines, then I was going to die. And I, what was... and I made him. Well, I made a mistake with my Thane general, and I forgot to move him one turn. And I think that's really what bit it more than anything for me. What was your list you're doing at five? I had a, I had a Thane, a unit of like thirteen or fourteen crossbows. I don't remember exactly how many there was with shields, and then I had an organ gun and a. I like to say I had a grudge thrower. But it might have been a cannon. I think that was that was pretty much the list. You didn't have a oh really? Wow. There was no actual infantry blocks. So it was very much committed to shooting, and it was you know I I made a mistake and didn't move the thing. Was kind of running around by himself, and I had an opportunity to put him. I needed to use him to kind of defend and and redirect a charge off of a war machine, and if I would have done that, I could have set it up very well. That it would have given me not only moved his big block into a better position for me to have all three of my my mortar machines and my crossbows to be able to shoot at it, but to buy me another turn before he could have charged my war machines or my shooty blocks. And I was already from a shooting perspective, if I would have had another good turn of being able to drop shots into that before he finally moved it behind a hill and I lost line of sight to it, I would have been able to possibly take it off the board and that might have been enough to or that would have been enough to win the game for me a hill blocking line of sight there was a tall hill <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> it honestly was taller than ogres well that's a big hill so yeah it was a pretty big hill and so that, we had that game and then i went to pure hammer mm-hmm. but that was i, I took the dwarves again yeah and i took a really silly list at 2200 points with no great weapons other than two great weapons or a great weapon on each of my runesmiths and i had two runesmiths so it was like a 45 long beards hand weapon shield and 30 iron breakers hand weapon shield a dwarf lord not on shield bearers on foot. <laughs> I don't actually have a shield bearer dwarf lord, so oh, I've wanted the model for a while, but and I almost picked it up at the at the square. They had a uh, garage sale or whatever they want to, whatever that is. Their annual, everybody comes in, they can rent some table space and hawk their old used stuff. Mm-hmm. And there was a guy hawking tons of old used dwarf or old brand new and blister metal dwarves, and I almost bought him then, but. Yeah, I don't have the model, so I don't feel it. And then I had a BSB, which I forgot to bring an actual BSB model, so I was using <laughs> so I was using a crew from a cro- from one of my bolt throwers that I actually had still in the in the bin. And what else was there? I think there was an organ gun, a cannon, and a grudge thrower. That was that was it. In round one, I played against new lizardmen. Now that was an <laughs> that was an experience. Now he had no salon. Yep, he wow. had the skink on on the. Uh, Whatever the thunder, the no, the skink no. on the uh, palaquin, whatever the thing those slow oh, rides. Oh, okay. yeah. So he had that guy. <laughs> that guy's um, awesome. <laughs> and then he had a big block of Croxagore. Uh huh. Yeah, I don't think he was very awesome against my dwarves. So let's put it that way. Yeah. Magic was pretty much a non-issue. Yeah, your dwarves do a pretty good job when I played them. The double rune smiths for the extra two dispel dice. The uh, master rune of balance plus a uh, spell breaking rune yep. shuts down the magic phase pretty solidly. Yeah, but Teto Echo actually has a really nice rule where he gives th- D3 units vanguard as well just by being on the table. So huh. that makes for, he makes for some really interesting lizard man lists. I, it would have been great if my opponent would have realized that. <laughs> <laughs> so they were new to it him was too. Bad enough he forgot to vanguard the units that could actually vanguard, let alone the, the units that he units. would get extra. Uh huh. 
But <laughs> I ended up losing that game. I, I lost all three games at Pure Hammer. That's I not lost, what it was about. So. But I lost that game. It was Blood and Glory. It was the first round. Wow. And, I, and it was basically... My general in a challenge versus his source old blood in a challenge, and his source old blood was slightly more survivable than my dwarf lord. So, and a heck of a lot cheaper. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know if it was a heck of a lot cheaper. My dwarf lord's like two seventy three or something like that. Source old blood started out pretty cheap. Yeah, so, it's got, still got to be one hundred thirty, hundred and some points. So, yeah. plus he tooled him up with like a hundred points of cat item, so it was pretty oh. close. And he was on a on a cold one too. Yep. So I was really impressed though. The predatory fighter on a unit of Croxagors. I've heard a lot of people kind of complain about the predatory fighter rule. I don't um, get why. Well, people don't like the fact that you have to pursue. But that's horrible. Yeah. That is. That's um, a big liability. And because the, the benefit doesn't really outweigh that. Probably. The chap yeah. game is really, really that's like good. what eighth is right now, man. Yeah, pretty much. That unit was just brutal. Since I didn't have chaff, it got right into my long beards and just <laughs> ground long beards. Now the bonus was the long beards were grinding them back because I would swing before them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I would get just enough out of the parry saves to keep a few extra dwarfs around because you had no armor save because they're strength seven. But yeah, it was it was a. I I think I could have you know if it wouldn't have been blood and glory, and maybe I wasn't so foolish and took that challenge with my dwarf lord right off the bat mm-hmm. in hindsight he only had like four fortitude yeah it wouldn't he had a source block that my iron breakers were up against and if i would have done things a little bit differently with the master in a challenge and brought in like say a unit of skinks that i could have beat up on in one round i probably could have broke them there's a good chance i would have broke them if i would have been able to beat up on skinks for combat res and stack the combat res a bunch in my favor sure. yeah and just broke them, ran them down, hopefully, or chased them off the board and won the game. But instead, way to go! I uh, made a mistake <laughs> there. And, and it's hard I, to think about. I had I had yeah. a great time. It was just big combats. We were rolling a ton of dice. It was fun. Who were you playing against? I don't remember his name. Oh, sorry. So I didn't take notes. I'm <laughs> I'm bad. It was somebody I've never played against either. So is he from Milwaukee? I'm not sure where he's from. I forget. I did not ask. Interesting. Okay. And then next game was against, who did I play next? I don't know, what did I even play? I played against Dwarfs, and I, another gentleman I never played against before. He usually plays Dogs of War, but for whatever reason, Dogs of War weren't allowed or something at Pure Hammer, so he played Dwarfs at Pure Hammer. What was the scenario? I think it was meeting engagement was the scenario, and I had to deploy first, which was bad, because he had better combat troops, because his troops... He did not restrict himself in not taking great weapon troops because he didn't have them painted <laughs> like I did. But he also, so he had great weapon troops. He had, like, he had a block of hammers. He had a block of great weapon warriors. So he had fighty combat troops. He also had a block of long beards with shields, with hand weapon shield. Mm-hmm. So, but he had three blocks versus my two blocks, really. And then he had four war machines um, with two cannons, a grudge thrower, and an organ gun versus my cannon grudge sword organ gun and i had to put all my stuff down first and then to top it off i had two of my characters not decide sure. not to come on the board <laughs> on turn one while he had his entire army come on board on the ter- board now credit to him he could have knowing that he could have just plopped his entire army 
as far away from mine and just shot me off and forced me to walk the board, and it would have been just miserable. Instead, he put his army, his combat blocks, right smack, right at the twelve, you know, right at the closest he could get them to me, hoping for, you know, turn one combats maybe, you know, so we could just get in there and mix it up. It was. <laughs> It was great of him to do that. Of course, it's pure hammer, so you're not really worried about so much about winning and losing. It's more about just playing and having a good time. Uh-huh. And that was exceptional of him. And uh, I almost pulled things off with the Yangles and using the Master in a challenge to really get the com- to really be able to get the combats and I and and win the game. But I I failed to run down his his uh, dwarf warrior block with great weapons, and Oof. then the next turn. I had, I didn't quite have enough oomph to get over and, and crack and kill. I just couldn't kill hammers. I mean, it was just, <laughs> it was frustrating. Like, okay, I've got a pile of attacks. Woof. I kill one hammer. Pile of attacks. <laughs> like 15 or 20 attacks. Boom. One hammer. He was just, you. I just couldn't, I, roll, I, could, I either the, couldn't roll the hit save. or I could, oh, okay. he wasn't, it had nothing to do with saves. I get, I get like, okay, here's eight hits. One wound. Or two wounds, he saves one. Like, what <laughs> in the world? So, yeah, it was one of those things. Then, round three, I had to play against Johnny Hastings and his ogres. And I can tell you... confused, huh? I can tell you that was... No, I wasn't really confused about what his units were. Oh. I, I took a turn one charge into into his Iron Gut Star with my Longbeards. What scenario was that? I'd like to say it was... Battle line, hmm. um, but uh, yeah, I took a turn one charge into his gut stars heat, and he did Operation Grill, and he had some man eaters that scouted, and they were in a position to either flank me or rear charge me, depending if I made that charge. It was a long charge; I needed like an eleven or twelve, and I made the charge. Nice. So it was kind of a dumb luck charge, and then on the next turn, so he's in the rear of me with his man eaters, and in in the combat, he's like whiffing rolls, and I'm killing Iron Gods. So it's great. <laughs> <laughs> And then. then the man eaters. The man eaters go to charge me in the rear. They fail it. So I'm in mean, like, I'm in mean, like, okay, this is great. I'm kicking, I'm kicking rear with these iron guts. Unfortunately, there's a stubborn crown there, and unfortunately, the next chance the iron, the uh, manies got a chance to charge me. They did, and then I lost Longbeard's hands yeah. over fist. Yeah, man eaters are pretty cool, but I hate facing them. <laughs> I didn't know they could scout like that, too. I just found that mm-hmm. out. That's pretty cool. I'm actually I'm glad to hear that you weren't confused by his army, because I remember the last time you played him, you were like, I couldn't remember. I couldn't tell what was going on. So I, I paid a little more attention. Plus, I think it's the second time I've seen the army uh-huh. on the table, so I, I had a much better idea what things were supposed to be. Okay. That being said, I looked at the matchup right off the bat, and <laughs> I like I knew. I'm like, this is either going to be like, uh, I mean, I could I could play this game one of two ways. I could just push it forward, try to get my blocks into stuff, and then hurry up and get this thing over with, and roll some dice, and laugh and see if see how good the dwarf blocks could do. Or, or by two dwarf blocks, <laughs> they should say blocks, there were two blocks, so it was, I can be plural there. Or, I could turtle up as much as possible, and see if I can stall out and hold on to points for all dear God. <laughs> and I, I chose, I mean, it's, I chose instead of trying to, to, you know, preserve, preserve. Points. I, yeah. I did. I, I went full on offense, and it. While it didn't work out, and I knew it wasn't going to work out, <laughs> uh, I had a lot more fun doing it that way. Yeah. 
What was confusing about his army? Isn't it like empire ogres or something? No, like his or? they're all or minotaurs. The, oh, the, bull, the it's his minotaur. bull ogre army. Oh, okay. Gorgeous oh. minotaurs, but they are all minotaurs. So. Are they the GW minotaur? The old ones. Yeah, the old metal oh, ones. Really? Yeah, cool. and he's like, everything. I'm on sure his they're army all converted to crap. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, just beautiful. And I, I was hoping that when everything got done, it would all make sense. And <clears throat> I think it definitely does. I've, I've seen. I it would working think on so. It. I mean. Ogre and a Minotaur, like the same difference almost. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, it, but it's like the, the, his Mornfang cavalry are oh, okay. the chair, are, are Razor Gore chariots. Oh, okay. In a unit. So you, you just look at things and you're like, and because of the level of conversion, sometimes you're like, are those actually bulls or are those iron guts? Yeah. Are those actually this or that or, you know, you look at an ogre army, like, okay, that's a, if you look at the stock GW models, it's very easy to recognize, okay, that's a fire belly, okay, that's an iron gut, or that's an iron gut, okay, that's, uh, you know, uh, saber tusk. Like, his saber tusks are little ungors riding boars. Most vicious ungor in the entire <laughs> Warhammer world. But it, it all looks spectacular. I'm not I'm complaining sorry. about it at all. Yeah. It's just coming at it when you're, just you one know, more trying thing. to recognize yeah. and try. It's one more thing to try to keep track of while you're playing the game and trying to remember what everything is. And it was a joy to play Johnny. A ton of fun. Great game. I'm glad his dice rolled a little bit more poorly, <laughs> probably in that opening those opening few rounds. Uh, but eventually, I was tabled. I think five in turn five or six. Finally, the Iron Breakers cracked and and were ran down. But uh, overall, I mean, I was really happy. I mean. The the long beards are probably with the hand weapon shield are probably a little more points expensive than what they actually can do on the board. Yeah. Um and I have a huge block of them, but yeah, you know, at forty five but that block seems really small for being two thousand when you well, look, there's, when you look at it. But there's still I think one yeah, more block is the only difference. I mean I, two blocks seems really small for you. Yeah, I wish it had a third block, but then if I had a third block I'd have to I mean you can't have th- a three blocks and have hand weapon and shield. It just doesn't work. So and I could put a third block of hand weapon and shields on the board, but that would get just the be hammers out. Yeah, I don't have <laughs> enough hammers painted, so yeah, I'm I'm kinda struggling there. If I had the hammers painted, I think the list would be a lot a lot more solid. And great weapon warriors painted? Yeah, that too. Which I don't even, <laughs> I don't even really pretty much have Great Weapon Warriors at all for models. So, yeah. I'd have to go buy some models and I've been really, since it, I'm doing this read, this repaint on dwarfs, I've been really looking at other companies worth of models to yeah. pick up. It's rumored up. as a re-release. Well, I, it, a new book yeah, for I've, dwarfs sometime soon. But it's been rumored for about four years. <laughs> and especially with the window right now, we're, we're not even sure exactly what's coming up next month. Really? Yeah, so we'll see. So. That'd be cool. I'd like to see some of the less common things get redone before Empire or Demons or something gets redone. Or Dark again. Elves. Or Dark you Elves. might not get your wish. <laughs> Dark Elves could almost use a redo, I think. But yeah, I think Dark Elves definitely just because their book. Dark is Elves definitely need stable. a redo right now. They're yeah. they were really yeah, strong when Eighth first yeah. came out, and it was very you know infantry was very strong, and you could just mind razor up the elves. <laughs> But, uh, and there's still a strong army, don't get me wrong, but magic's there's really definitely... annoying to me nowadays. Yeah. It's just magic, because well, everything's so dependent on magic. Yeah. I don't know. Well. Or magic is a huge impact, I guess. It's not really dependent, but. Mm-hmm. It, it's, it's become a dominant force in the game. It's not, I don't think it's overpowering, because you have to have those blocks of troops and everything else to yeah. really make the magic worth it. 
but because it affects so much of the game and it's kind of necessary to make the armies work, it seems like it's just taken on a much larger part of the game. So it's become a huge part of tactics. So Yeah, definitely. I know we usually don't discuss rumors, but rumors are Dark Elves are next month, so... We'll That'd see. Be pretty crazy. We'll see. It'll, it's not that I'm long. Surprised I haven't seen anything. <laughs> well, well, you won't like see anything until the White Dwarf comes out. Yeah, I know. For yeah, sure, at the end of this month. Usually, you see. Well, get rumored. Pretty official rumors. There's like two sets of pretty on. official rumors right now. I see. But or at least see some pics of some new models or something. That'll be probably yeah. another week or two before that's leaked. I, I would suppose. think. Yeah. They've been doing a great job of keeping that really quiet. Problem mm-hmm. is, is that really you can't like really plan your purchases. Release schedule, though. And, yeah. yeah then this is freaking cool this year, man. I mean, just stuff is coming out. Every single month. Yeah. Army after army after army. Just awesome. Although it's kind of brutal sometimes when you get two, three <laughs> armies that come out and they're all armies you own. Yeah, and you're like, 50 bucks for a rule book. 50 bucks yeah. for a rule book. 50 bucks for a rule book. Plus, plus <laughs> then I'm like, ooh, I want some new, some of the new shiny models. Ooh, I want some oh, of the new shiny I models. I think it's and you, and we, they're tell, not telling you what, what's coming out, uh-huh. you can't really budget for it. I mean, it's really you tough start, to do you that. Get you're your, like, you get your foot into something, then it's like, oh, then, crap. Oh, crap. I want to do that. The Troglodon. Oh, my goodness. Say, I think I really like how seems to eliminate the f- current like flavor of the month kind of thing yeah like it seemed like such a slow release schedule it's like everybody and their mom is playing dark elves right now and then mm-hmm. when the next one comes out it seems like everybody and their mom is playing ogres then and yeah they've, i think the quicker release kind of took away that a little bit yeah they've really made everything kind of just the meta is just changing so rapidly Interesting. Time. It hasn't yeah. really settled much since the Warriors, Demons, High Elves, and now Lizardmen books. Uh-huh. It really hasn't had a chance to kind of settle and work itself out. Yeah. I think when you, when all said and done, I think Warriors kind of come out of it a little bit on top still, but you don't see there's really in Warriors. Though. Warriors are going to be a good, strong army, but I don't think that there's an overwhelming army right now. But I've the noticed there's definitely, are definitely underwhelming under, armies. Yeah. There are underwhelming <laughs> armies. I completely agree. I happen to play one of them. Yeah. But I think or it's two. this situation right here where we've got so many armies being released in such a short time is really the bane of the existence for anybody who's doing any kind of comp. To be able yeah, to try probably. and figure out what the but combos even then, are. Like, if people don't know what the combos are yet, it's like... Demons and Warriors have been out for a decent enough time that people should be able to figure out how the armies are working if they've been playing them consistently. And they're figuring out combos that really can be pretty devastating, but you can't really comp them yet because there's not like you know they're not yeah. solidified into the net list. Yeah. So if you, if you're trying to comp it, I could see this being a really frustrated time. If you're used to having kind of a an even table, yeah. it's just not happening right now. Well, as yeah, I guess I don't know. That seems like such a narrow thing. Like if everybody doesn't have it figured out or know what it is yet, mm-hmm. I mean. I wouldn't see it as such a big deal then to need to comp something. I wish there wasn't a need for comp at all, but <laughs> yeah. yeah, there's I, definitely some things you want. I don't to know play. what this comp thing is. I don't have any comp yeah. in any of these Midwest tournaments. No, through, so. it's really something I read about on Twitter, and people hate it and talk about it all the time and love it. And so, yeah. Anyway, are we sick of talking for a second? I, I, think, it's, a break? I think it's time for a break. Yeah. Five hours Probably, later. Yeah, we've, we've managed <laughs> to knock off another one of these massive intros to the show. So let's go ahead and take a break. We come back, we'll go ahead and talk some more Warhammer. What, what, what's that place? The last, the last circle? The, the last triangle? No wait, the last square. That's what it is. The last square located on O'Dana Road. Have you been there? Yeah. Yeah, they have 
a huge selection of miniatures, everything from 5mm scale all the way up to 25, 28, everything you could imagine. Yeah, it's the basically the war game store of Madison, Wisconsin, with every wargaming need you can just about imagine or think you wanted, and a lot of things you didn't even know you wanted. Exactly. They also have model railroads and rockets. All sorts of good stuff for the geek in ya. All right. And if you can't get to the square, you can always check them out on their website, thelastsquare.com. Exactly. Okay, and we are back. Back. <laughs> back, back, back. Okay, so back to the back. We're going to actually do a gaming spotlight. What? What? What's a gaming spotlight? I yeah, I know it's something we haven't done in a while. We're actually going to do one on this episode, and we're going to talk about a game that Brian and I have played. And I've never the, played. Yeah, that Paul has <laughs> never played. That belongs in a museum. Yeah, well, well, <laughs> the, lost in his own museum. The, the, the things that you recover from the game should be in a museum. Yes. You call this archaeology? And that's going to be Escape Curse of the Temple. What the heck is that? Well, it's a real-time dice roller. It's basically you and the other players are a cooperative Indiana Jones team, essentially, against the game, and you have ten minutes to basically start in the center of the in the center of the temple and try to get out. And it's like a random I mean yep, the it's tiles a random are, temple tile. Yes, thing. you you have to roll certain symbols on your dice to advance to new rooms. As you advance to new rooms, the new rooms that come up are all entirely randomly determined. And that's where like expansions come into play cuz you can get different random tiles and different Curse. kind of little rule sets yeah. like curses <laughs> and like some of the huh. curses might make you have to like you can only use one they hand mess up your or dice and or you yeah, can't yeah. talk. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it is cool that they have added in stuff like that. So it, everybody is just yelling nonsense at each other the whole time. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's literally, it, and and then there's like certain symbols on your dice that'll lock your dice. So then if you're in the same room with another person, they can roll mm-hmm. certain other symbols, and you can roll them too on your dice. But so it's really good to you know, anytime you're working as a team with somebody else, it feels like your success rate is so much higher. Yeah, in that game. I know the first time we played it, we all kind of did whatever. And it's like, oh crap, that didn't work. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> then we tried to every, stick together a little bit. To, definitely. Because you're actually rolling your dice to move between rooms and stuff like that. So if you lock all your dice, you're just you're stuck like, and I'm can't do anything. I'm standing there. Oh no, the yeah. door, the, the door <laughs> sounded. I gotta get to the center. Oh wait, come on somebody, come here, help me, help me, help me. Oh crud, I just lost a dice. Yeah, as you're playing the thing with the audio tracker or whatever and it's timed. And there's the random bits where whatever happens. I don't remember what they called it, but yeah, you have to race back to the center. Mm. Or you lose dice or something like that. That happens twice in the game, and mm-hmm. then and then near the end, you all have to get out. Yeah, the third one, you have huh. to get out. Hopefully you found the exit by that time, because the exit is a random tile. And then you have to have so many crystals. You know, there's a rule with crystals. So throughout the game, you can place crystals onto the game board itself. Yeah, there's random treasure rooms and that pop up. And at the end of the game, you've got to roll cert- so many of a certain... I think it's so many of a certain symbol in order to get out. Yep. And that that so, to, that certain number is based on how many crystals are still remaining. Yep. Because yeah, you have like a loot of crystals, so you're trying to find as many crystals as you can, and then find the exit so you can get exactly. out and hopefully found enough crystals. <laughs> so really fun game, tons of fun. It's great. It's a great little. 
filler game for a, a board game evening or a game that you're just looking for fun or, or a game that's played with maybe some non-gamers. You can get them to play and get them kind of excited and it goes quickly and everybody gets kind of excited during the middle of the game. And usually if it's like you get a bunch of non-gamers, they'll be like, hey, I want to play this again. Very cool. Yeah. Sounds like a very fun game. It's a very fun game. It's all about just silly random fun. Yeah, it's really silly. So, I mean, it loses some appeal for me in that, but it definitely has just like quick like time filler thing. I, I think it's something. Out, I think it's but. another game that's exceptionally good. The more in liquid courage you drink, <laughs> the that more this game is probably enjoyable. Yeah. <laughs> now we shall enter the cheese curd. What you talking about? Okay, so last episode we talked a little bit about the cheese curd, about how we didn't get very much Lizardman coverage, and we had a request for it, and we gave a bunch of reasons why we hadn't done it, but they were really more sounding to me like excuses rather <laughs> than just actually doing some Lizardman coverage. And since we had Paul actually here, Paul actually knows stuff about armies like Lizardman <laughs> that the rest of us really didn't know a whole lot about. So. We figured we'd go ahead and touch a little bit on Lizards now um, for our listener that kind of asked for some, or at least our early thoughts. And at some point, probably next year, in the year of 2014, probably early, first quarter I'm thinking, we'll probably hit a full-on Lizardman Army Book review at that point. So that being said, Paul, what, what in the Lizardman Army stands out to you Maybe as the, uh, from the rules or from a model perspective that really jumps out to you that, that you think is now maybe either an auto include or just is too awesome not to talk about it. Well, I think the number one thing is the special character Teto Echo has become pretty close to an auto include. If you're going to make a, a nice competitive lizards list, he's just, he had so much flexibility to the list. Well, what does he do? Well, he's a hero character. He's on a palanquin. So you can put him in a skink unit. He acts like a slon. But he also has Loremaster Heavens. And he has a special ability that allows him to give D3 units Vanguard at the beginning of the game, which adds a whole lot of tactical flexibility as far as deployment is concerned. And then also he can do Comet, reroll at Comet every turn, as well as a couple of, like, just he... Adds a flexibility to the list that basically allows you to play a dual slam list, even though you can't afford to 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 place a dual slam with the points cost of the new eighth edition book. Okay, so you have a a lore master heavens character, and then you can do either um, lore master high for your other slan, or you can do the gift that allows him to do one the signature spell from all eight lores and between those three options there's just a whole lot of tactical flexibility in the magic phase that'll allow you to just have a lot of fun with the army i think and that to me sounds like just a great use of this new book but that's the character tato echo to me is what really stood out and i noticed that immediately and was like wow this guy just seems like he's going to be a lot of fun He's going to add a little bit of diversity to the Lizardman list because he's not just a straight-up magic user because of his ability to allow characters or uh, units to vanguard as well. 
he changes a couple different phases of the game, and we haven't had a character that's really done that in a while. Okay. So that's a pretty cool inclusion. All right, is there anything else that really jumps out of you from the new book? Well, the second thing that jumps out to me, and this is more of my personal thing, and I've been kind of railing on about this on Twitter for a while, is Lizardman now have a really interesting tactical ability to field almost an entire monster army. They always had this, I think it was back in 5th edition, they had Thunder Lizard Army, which was a alternate rule set that allowed you to just feel field all dinosaurs and it gave you i don't know four preferably or five plastic ones from toys r us or similar that store. Go yeah roar. because yeah. that was actually yeah. what they used when they <laughs> gave the list so but now you've got so many different options for monsters you've got a regular stegodon you've got an ancient stegodon you've got even abilities that you can give to those monsters so you can give an engine of the gods to the ancient stegodon without needing a skink priest now you've got the bastilodon with two different abilities you can either do the solar engine or the arc of sotek which i'm not thrilled about the arc of sotek but the solar engine is a free exchange for the base cost of the pastilladon and kind of like a little light cannon which is pretty nice the carnosaur has always been there but then you also include the troglodon and with the monstrous cavalry of having the pterodons and the ripperdactyls you've got a huge tactical flexibility and one of the things that I've always thought that the Warhammer 8th Edition rule set really, really tries to encourage, but I've never seen anybody do effectively, is to try and get those huge infantry blocks or cav blocks and get them in the rear and get them on the flank. Because the big fightiness about any unit in 8th Edition that's ranked is only when attacking from the front. The Carnosaur, the Choglodon allow you to kind of have some of that get some flank access because they're pretty speedy and they've got some abilities that allow you to be able to get around the edges and then with the Ripperdactyls and the Pterodons easily allows you to get into the rear of units with their flight of 20 inches and because you've got some speedy Troglodon Carnosaurs you've got some slower with the Stegodons and with the Bastilodons but then with the Bastilodon you've got this little sun cannon and with the ancient Stegodon you've got this engine of the gods you theoretically could make an army with just skirmish skinks for your core, carnosaurs, troglodons, stegodons, and bastilodons, and you've got some pterodons and reprodactyls in there, and you can literally just kind of run around the board. Everything has a 360-degree pivot, <clears throat> either because you're skirmish or because you're a monster, and you get into the flanks and rears of some of these units, and... If you deny them the ability to attack from the front of the unit, you've got 600 points for your opponent's army that's doing nothing. And that's what really jumped out to me about this release. I don't know if anybody can make an army like that work, but it's something that, to me, has become a possibility, having so many options with the monsters. Sure, sure. All right, is there anything else I think that you know jumps out? I think you've kind of touched on almost all the new stuff there. Mm-hmm. Um, just talking about the Monster Mash, which is kind of the new thing that a lot of the new releases, and you got to kind of figure that for the Lizard Men that their new releases were going to kind of center around big kits and big dinosaurs. Mm-hmm. So it kind of makes sense that that's being released. But is there anything else there that you know, really is amazing in the in the Lizard Men book or that maybe trips your trigger? Well, 
from model wise, I really like the fact that two special characters have been included in plastic kits. I like when there's a lot of extra bits available after you assemble a model, and the Lizardman release definitely has that in spades. If you assemble a Carnosaur with an Old Blood or with Gorok, you have a Skink Oracle, which easily could double as a Skink BSB for free. If you assemble it as a Troglodon, you've got a Saurus Old Blood or Gorok on foot that you can have. The Bastilodon's got some terrain stuff if you can use the Solar Engine or the Arc of Sotek. Both of those would be really nice for terrain. And then the Ripperdactyl's Pterodons have uh, Tic-Tac-Toe included as a plastic special character in that kit as well. And there's just, for me, I'm really impressed by the versatility of the plastic kits that, that were released. I think the the Skink Priest is really nice. Gorok, I'm really not all that fussed about, but he's a Saurus character and I really like Southland's list anyway. But I think the Lizard Man army, with the inclusions of these monsters, really, to me, looks like a Thunder Lizard army. It looks like a jungle army. And that's what I kind of wanted to see from Lizard Men. And I know a lot of tournament players are saying, oh, but it's the same list, because you can basically just take your list from 7th edition, turn it into an 8th edition list, and it'll still function pretty much the same. But there's a lot of flexibility that makes for fun lists and makes for a lot more interesting gameplay. And... I think that's a really cool addition because Lizardmen, I think, are a really fun army to be able to play with and to be able to play against. And even just a little bit of a shakeup means that, number one, I think Lizardmen dropped a little bit in power, so the Slons aren't going to be able to kill everything in sight <laughs> automatically like they could before. But it also, anytime you get a new book, it means that everybody's going to be trying out the new things and trying to find something else that works. I think that's pretty cool. Like, I didn't really think about that till you said it, that, I mean, people complain if they do get a whole revamp, though, and then it's like, well, mm-hmm. I have to redo, like, half my army, because now it doesn't work. Exactly. Like, it seems a lot cooler to me if you already have your army, and now it's like, I have this stuff I can try out. Like, that seems more of, like, a what a new army you think would be. I guess it's almost more like a new release than and not really a redo, but mm-hmm. I don't know. And that's it something could go that, really weird. Yeah, it, was, it just kind of struck me. I was like, so... When your entire army gets redone, everybody complains because, oh, I gotta add new models and, oh, it's just GW making me pay money. And they release an army where you don't have to redo anything and they're like, oh, this is a boring release. I'm just playing the same list. Well, uh, there's no middle ground. I mean, I think it's fun. I think they've added a lot of cool characterful models that might not necessarily be the best thing to put on the table points wise, but really add a lot of character to the army. And like I said, for fun games, you can do a ton with it. It sounds like you could have less flubs that way too if something getting too crazy or mm-hmm. just completely useless if you more like kind of polish something rather than completely redo it and just yeah. add some new bits. Exactly. And Predatory Fighter definitely has its like pluses and minuses and it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. I was thinking about that like it seems like most everybody thinks of that as just a complete, like, not a benefit. I mean, it's like a hindrance. Yeah. And, like, no benefit at all is what the way most people see it. But I think that's actually kind of neat. I guess I could see why they wouldn't do that from, like, a retail, maybe, perspective or whatever, like, selling point. <laughs> like, I don't, like, you're, when you switch an army or whatever, it's like, why would I want to play this? They have, like, a negative factor. But you think that would be something more common, like, you have something negative in your army rather than just all, like, this army has this buff. Like, this army has this negative also kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Well, just kind of neat. Yeah, that's the thing. A source got a buff and they got a, a minus. It's, uh-huh. And it... I really, 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 really wish that the Troglodon would have counted as a skink character with the skink oracle on the back of it. 
And I don't know why they didn't do that. It seems like it, the, that model was kind of designed with that idea in mind, and it just doesn't have that rule. And I'm uh, yeah, that's kind of strange. But as far as like the Troglodon is probably my favorite monster that they've released since the Arachnarok. Rules and or look or the look. Looks, it just okay. it looks gorgeous. It's begging to be turned into an aquatic dragon or uh, you know a merworm or I mean a I can just see monster. conversions. I w- yeah, exactly. <laughs> And, and I was listening to Heel and Hammer, and they were talking about doing a Skaven list, a Lustria-based Skaven list of Clan Mulder with all these different dinosaurs and, you know, have it with a scre- screaming bell mounted on the back of a Stilodon or a Plague Furnace on a Stegon. <laughs> I mean, what really excites me about the hobby is when they add new models that really can be used to make something else. And I guess that sounds kind of weird, but... I really enjoy having new books, but I really enjoy models that inspire people to create new armies out of their old ones that are not the army that got redone. Sure. And that's, I think I've seen actually a lot of people talk about that. I've, I've seen a couple of people already do some Eldar Exodite armies just based on these models as well. And I know that's 40k, but <laughs> it, it design wise, I think this is probably the most successful release I've seen in a while. Rules wise, I really wish they would have made the model a little bit worth taking a little bit more, but you can't necessarily get the best of both worlds. <laughs> it's almost, then it's not a, just another auto include. I mean, that's kind of lame if something's just like stamped, like now you, everybody has this, <laughs> this kind of thing. Yeah. The, so I guess it kept it away from that range, which is, I don't know, kind of neat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's really similar to, I think it fell, is going to fall as far as a kit. And at least this one will With be the bought for other things, but very similar <laughs> as a kit to like the Slaughter Brute mm-hmm. Vortex Beast from the Warriors of Chaos line. I haven't even seen one of those. Yeah, on the table. I, I think I've seen it on the table once, and I've that was when Chaos, it first but... came out. Somebody was trying it at a tournament, and I have not seen one since on the table. Just another not quite good enough thing. Yeah. yeah. Well, everything else, it's, and this is the problem, is that they're actually designing the rules well enough. That if something's not a hundred percent, it's not included. Uh-huh. You know, like <laughs> I guess it's ninety-five percent, but it's not a hundred percent. So why would you include it in the army? You know, that makes me sad. Well, yeah. I, I think there's. I think we're like, also looking really at it, don't like. talking about things too from more of a tournament based. Y- yes, and we definitely based are based mindset where you're yeah. looking at it from a competitive game versus uh pickup game in your garage where you're trying to do something like like our you talk about like our bat- last battle report was kind uh-huh. of. Uh, even though it was just a pickup game, it was we still there was still some theme to what we were doing and trying to play out. Mm-hmm. And it would have been not far from us to to uh, if we would have talked it out a little more from you including say a unit of questing knights to help add to the flavor and fluff of that game where we had talked about you know where yeah it was, exactly you know so it's I, I can see those the, a lot of those things the a lot of these things we're talking about that were kind of like eh. It, it, there's a lot of opportunities for the really good, you know, for the fluff gamers to get those items into their lists and yeah. and add some additional feel or additional change up on what all the different looking like. If you're just playing like, if I just want to play with a bunch of giant dinosaurs, well, of course you want to include that the Basilodon in your list just because you want something another giant dinosaur that looks different than the other giant dinosaurs that you mm-hmm. have in your list. Yeah, and and as far as the Southlands list is concerned. All my lizard men are Southlands. They actually added a lot uh, that is skink centric in this release with the Pastilodon, Both of those options being skink centric. The Troglodon with the uh, Oracle on it is also skink centric. They released a model for Teto Echo, 
which is a very gorgeous model in my opinion, and the Skink Priest as well being released. They they really Teto Echo could be a viable general for your army, and you're not going to be throwing the game away. And to have a Skink character that's a viable option to be a general is is kind of cool. They really haven't had that since I think fifth edition, as far as the Southlands is concerned. But actually, talking about your pickup game reminded me about another thing that they did with the Lizardman release that I thought was awesome, and that is on the iBook uh, or on the iPod, iPad, excuse me, on the iPad, they've released two small iBooks. One of which is called Border Wars, I think, and the second one, which is called Lustria. And I've heard Ben Curry talk about these, but I've also heard a couple people on Twitter talk about them as well. What they are is they are little mini ladder campaigns for two people. I don't know what the cost is or, you know, as, as far as associated with it, but you download it. And I know for the Lustria one, you download it and it's a little ladder campaign and it allows it to be tailored to two people playing a game. And the first game affects the second one, second one affects the third one. But as opposed to, for example, in the General's Compendium, where they gave you the basic idea of, oh, here's a setup. This is what you do first, this is what you do second, and it allows you to change the games. This one gives you a story for why you're playing the game and actually includes a little bit more fluff, a little bit more background on what's going on. And also, I heard that you can also keep track of it. And GW is actually kind of keeping track of the results for the Lustria one, which to me seems really cool. It's something they used to do a lot more of. Storm of Chaos obviously being a really good good example in Eye of Terror. And they really kind of jumped off the bandwagon when it came to Storm of Chaos for that. But that to me is really exciting. And then I heard Ben Curry talking about Border Wars. Uh, and that one seems really interesting as well because... It actually varies the point size of the battles that you're playing. So you could end up playing a 500 point battle for your first game, and then a thousand, and then two thousand. But it gives you this. It's not a simply. It's not simply a ladder campaign where choose two armies. This is what you do. Choose two armies. This is what you do. And for all three games, you choose your armies, and then you pick a strategy, and your opponent picks a strategy based on what you two have picked. That determines what the battle is. And so it's actually got, he described it as a matrix of because you've picked these two, you play this battle first. The red one or the blue one. Exactly. And then you go to the (laughs) second one and the third one. And to me, like the replayability of being able to play that scenario and that ladder campaign over several times and have different battles each time is really cool. And evidently there are consequences and abilities and it's just, it's cool. I really like that Games Workshop has released something that is completely based on just having fun with one other person. That and is really cool because it's really hard to, to put all that work kind of into things. They out. totally did. Yeah, I know. And that's that's the thing is, that to me makes me excited that they might be going back a little bit towards this whole, we're going to really put stuff out that encourages you to just have fun with the one guy you're playing with. That'd be really cool. I think I think what they found in the past is they the products that they put out didn't sell very well yeah. on the shelf at a game store or at a or at a local GW store as a store. But now with the with the, with the electronic media like a like through the the iTunes the mm-hmm. iStore that you can 
do a you know release something like that It'll be cost and get you know get five hundred dollars <laughs> for the sales and not you know or sell it five hundred five hundred times and not put anything other than somebody's design time probably in something that they roughly put together as or they part of play testing the book exactly and that's the thing it's like. Blood in the Badlands, I thought was really cool because it's completely based on just playing a campaign. And it was really fun seeing these, you know, non-professional level armies of people just playing and having a good time who work at Games Workshop. And I love that. I, I loved reading through the whole thing, reading through the background, reading about what happened. And now being able to condense it so you didn't even have to spend the money producing a book. Just say, hey, I think this is fun. Let's make a little iBook out of it. And it takes no time or very little time to produce. And I think there's just hours of fun to be had from something like that. Yeah, I'd like to see that catching on. Like just when we were talking about like the fluff part of the game. I mean, that's a really cool thing mm-hmm. that when you just go to the game store and play your one-off game, you don't really get. So, I mean, there's a lot of fun and just, yeah, interest it, for myself. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's like, one of that's the, what I'd like to play. That's one of the things that like, I think there's a lot of people out there who are playing Warhammer with one other person. I think we all kind of started, you know, in the U.S., started playing against one other person or two other people. Uh-huh. And if you're playing the same army versus the same army, that gets kind of boring. But these little iBooks actually allow you to be having fun, creating a story from the first battle that you're playing. Without all the effort put Without, in exactly. by one person. To yeah, somebody this. else is writing it for you. It's basically a game-mastered campaign where you don't have to have a game master there. It's already written out for you. And cool. that I was really excited about that, especially because they already have a Lustria source book and they did all this background on Lustria to begin with. And now doing this little ladder campaign, you don't even need to add that much. There's so much out there already. So, yeah, sorry. That's a bit of a side. <laughs> but, like, I'm really excited about that aspect of it. No, that's cool. Yeah. So there you go. Awesome models you might have missed. Oh, I missed that voice. Uh, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, yeah, I did a little bit. Okay. So, what are we talking about for the awesome models you might have missed? Some stunties. Skybor, Cyborg, some guy. Cyborg fantasies. Their dwarf line in particular. Yes. So, I kind of been looking around. You, you know, heard me kind of talk about. About wanting to do kind of putting a little time into redoing my old dwarf collection and doing some new paint schemes. One of the things I wanted to try to do is avoid using tons of stock Games Workshop dwarves. How come? Uh, not not that I don't like the the current plastic dwarfs are really pretty cool. I, I don't think there's a model in the dwarf line that I don't love. That I, they're they're all really cool. Other, okay, there's a couple the war machines. I don't like the war machines without wheels. Like the bolt thrower, I don't care for. The current bull thrower, the current grudge thrower, I don't really care for. But mm-hmm. outside of that, the line is really pretty cool. I, I don't have a problem with anything that dwar- that's in the dwar- the dwarf fantasy line right now. Think about it from two perspectives. One, I'm trying to put an army together that I want to look super outstanding on the table. They take go from where I've been working on the Tomb Kings to another level. <laughs> Whole you know, level. From, you know, from an paint, <laughs> from an paint and appearance thing, and I, and to do that, I want to try to do something where I'm adding a little more conversion work into the models, 
and also add to looking for a unique look to try to make it look different than everybody else's dwarf army. And one of the things that dwarves <laughs> struggle at, where other armies ex- are have a very easy time, is that dwarves are pretty much just big blocks of infantry. Yep, all short little guys with big beards. <laughs> so, how do you get that to be different? Well, you start adding in models from other ranges that have, and some of these models from other ranges have a lot more little interesting details on them. And that's where the Skybor kind of came in and kind of fits that that whole role for me. Um, it's a great line of resin cast models. I just finally got my first box of them to kind of just really check them out. Uh, I got the, the the Golden Guard, and you guys got to look at a, a couple of those models before we before we came up to record. So, what are your thoughts or impressions on the models? I I obviously think they're pretty cool. They were yeah. cool enough to spend a pretty good chunk of change to buy twelve of them. So they are kind of pricey. I guess I didn't pay. I did check them out on the website too, uh, just to get an idea of them. I, they are definitely really high detailed and pretty unique models like are you planning to just fill them in with some of your current stuff i i think right now the plan will be uh to use them initially as kind of filler models i'm gonna do okay. i this army if i if i actually manage to pull the whole thing off and that's up in the air is i'm gonna u- end up backfilling a lot of my old models which are going to be por- painted in other color schemes and whatever. Yeah. Kind of backfill those in as I slowly uh, paint and progress forward with this new army. But eventually it'll be a, uh, a mix of like, so like the, the Golden Guard that I've got will probably intermix with, say, maybe some avatars of four dwarfs or, you know, if I can get my hands on some of those plastic kits or some <laughs> other plastic kits to make one really kind of cool, unique block. Of like long beards. Uh, I don't know if they're gonna be long beards. They might be long beards because they do look like they have fancier armor. Armor. Yeah. For and sure. then I could use like, like they regular... could almost be hammerers, as far as I was concerned. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I guess the main reason I was asking is they do seem like highly detailed beyond like what I would consider a normal troop. True. And like the range isn't as huge as if you wanted to sub them in for your entire dwarf army or something like that. I mean, you couldn't get every single model is not represented by them, but I mean, they have miners, the golden guard. Like, I think they'd make pretty cool hammers. They definitely look awesome, but for my interest, I think they'd make really cool character models. I mean, they'll be really unique and stand out for sure because they seem very ornate and they've actually that. got some really cool individual character models i'm going to pick up yep um and then and i'm just i will pick them up and paint them up just because i can (laughs) being a dwarf kind of fan and i don't know if they're going to intermix into the army that much or not i probably will use them for stuff i mean i i I, come on i'm a totalitarian i will buy everything they probably (laughs) make at some point yeah i think for these guys i really haven't figured out exactly where they're going to fit into the army but i think yeah you're right they're probably going to fit probably more into say maybe a longbeards role something i'll make my longbeards because right now the the gw longbeards are basically dwarf warriors until you paint maybe some extra little bits on them i think putting white beards on them is about the only thing that like (laughs) stands out there's some bits bits you can't see that across the table really though no it's really hard to tell a difference and this will make that unit like this would really make my longbeards unit stand out from Uh like normal dwarfs yeah, that was the only thing. They're definitely really cool, and for anything on an individual basis, I mean, they're freaking awesome. I'd love to have them, but putting them together as a Warhammer Fantasy Army, I guess I don't see so much, but... I would note that there are some... Some of the resin bits seem like they didn't quite form as perfectly as they should have, 
and will require me to do a little patchwork on them. Mm-hmm. So I've gotten resin models from other companies before that were the resin was far better, I thought, than the and, and the detail was sharper than these. There was a lot of detail on these models, and sometimes there's little air bubbles and stuff I in see. the resin. Very similar to some of my complaints about Finecast. What I have. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And uh, I haven't painted one, so I don't know how well the paint sticks. I mean, I've I've painted other resin models before, actual resin models, and I've never had a problem with it. These seem to be a little bit lighter resin than than uh, the the resin that I've painted up in the past that I've liked to paint, uh, and that the paint stuck to and worked well on. So we'll see how that goes too. So that may go a long ways in my decisions. But the models are really cool. You definitely should check out Skyboard Miniatures. They have a lot of really cool stuff in Dwarfs. They have a lot of cool stuff uh, for the 40K side as well, um, and a lot of you know bigger bust stuff and just a, just a ton of really cool models. So you should go check them out. Uh, and that's our awesome models you might have missed. All right, I think that wraps up this sec- this section. We'll go ahead and take a break again, and when we come back, we'll get to our main topic finally. Alrighty then. Alrighty then. The Conesy soundboard at work. Yep, it is pretty good. <laughs> what the heck are we doing now, man? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, Sleeping? So, what do you do to find time to keep up with a hobby when your schedule is full? The hell is time, man? <laughs> that's yeah, that's exactly the question away. here. So, I mean, that's kind of, that's, that's really the question. How do you guys find time in your schedules? I mean, for me, I've got time. I don't have kids. Mm-hmm. I just go to work and it's come home and then, time and then do you, a lot yeah. of gaming. I mean, <laughs> if I don't put in 30 hours a week gaming, there's something probably wrong. What the hell yeah. happened? Yeah. What, what happened to my week? How did I yeah. not play 30 hours a game? If I, if it was, whether it was gaming or hobby time or something like that, that's just, that's just my average week. I mean, that 30 hours is probably pretty well, low. Low estimate. <laughs> yeah, that's, I, I believe you. Must be nice. Yeah. So, you guys that are lucky if you can put together five hours a week, mm-hmm. probably more realistically, an hour a week. How do you how do you find time? What do you how do you prioritize things? What do you what are you doing to try to find that time and eke out and and keep yourself motivated to do the hobby? Well, I think for me, I've, I've had a like obviously. I've had a very tumultuous last eight to nine months. And so just as a kind of quick synopsis, I applied to Forge World way back when, waited four months to hear yes or no, finally got a no. By the time I got that, we had to move. We hadn't signed a lease, so we ended up saving enough money because we thought we might be going to England to buy a house. So then we moved into a house, but then that was a whole like month process of closing on the house. And there was three weeks of my wife living in a different city with my son and then me living in Madison and then having a new job, starting a new position at the second job and then moving into the house. And then my wife quit her job to become a stay at home mom and all this stuff happened. And so for me, part of this conversation is saying, knowing when there's a point where if you're trying to do the hobby, 
that you're actually going to make your desire for the hobby go away. Because during that time, had I tried to actually fit in, you know, 10, 20 hours a week of doing hobby, I would have literally had no time to do anything else. And for me, that hobby would have turned to work instead of fun. And for me, recognizing that for four or five months, I just need to let it all go by the wayside and know that I'm going to be able to pick it up again when things settle down was a huge deal and very important for me to realize. Yeah, I don't know. I almost take a similar approach, but I, I would say at this point, I don't even know what the heck I do, really. <laughs> I don't I don't have it figured out at all over my past few years. I mean, this summer was definitely like kind of a huge change just compared to what I've been used to. I've been in school like nonstop for like a couple years, like solid almost or something like that. And this summer mm-hmm. was the first real break I got. So that was pretty cool to just actually have the time to be like, holy crap, I can do stuff. Because, I mean, I have a really bad way of putting everything aside, even though I maybe necessarily don't need to. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a lot of stuff I try and do. I'm still trying to figure it out. <laughs> so, like, for a while I've been like, I can't do anything until I have, like, my homework done kind of thing. I mean, yeah. I think it's more of, like, a planning time out. Like, I'm never going to hobby with my schedule unless I'm like, I'm doing this, this is happening. Like tonight I'm here recording. It's like I plan for this. This is the time it's happening and it's gonna be done kind of thing. Yeah, this four hours can't be borrowed to do something else. Yeah, and there's you know I mean, I can prep for it. There's no reason I can't do it, I guess is another way to look at it. Yeah. Where I'm not saying I can't do it, it's just like I have to like be aware of it and work around it, do what I need to do to make it happen mm-hmm. and actually reap the benefit from it rather than just a me time, a happy time kind of thing to do something hobby. I mean, that's something I'm choosing to do. I mean, I'm choosing to go to school or whatever, but I mean, that's mm-hmm. freaking work. So yeah. it's a different kind of thing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but so it's, I'm still trying to figure it out. I don't know what the heck I do. I think that's the main thing I have to do is really set a time, say I'm going to do it and like work to make it happen kind of thing. Otherwise, I'm just, it's not going to happen and there's no reason I really need to do that. This is like the hardest semester I probably ever am going to do. Mm-hmm. And I'm still trying to keep my mind right where it's like I can do everything and I'll be okay kind of thing rather than trying to put any stress on it. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, the first few weeks or whatever, it's like I was just horribly stressed out even though, I, I mean, I can get everything done. I just have to do it, you know. I mm-hmm. mean, it's not going to go away if I procrastinate or anything like that and usually i felt really bad about doing something else when I, it's like i know i like tonight i still have homework to do mm-hmm. i have quite a bit to do, <laughs> do but i'm pretty sure i have time planned out when i can do it and it'll get done and yeah. i feel all right being here i'm not like mad at myself for showing up it's like why the heck do it? it's like i gotta do this stuff you know mm-hmm. i'm trying to keep that that it's okay to do some stuff <laughs> yeah it's okay to have some free time yeah sure do you, you talked about scheduling time out of your schedule for like doing stuff like tonight like uh-huh. we're recording an episode uh have you do you try to do that at all like okay i'm gonna get 30 minutes this 30 minute window or i'm gonna get this hour window maybe to sit down and do a little actual hobby time are you gonna start trying because i know that's you really haven't had a uh, uh, big hobby thing or ever for yourself where you were actually painting models before but nope. is that something now where maybe you're conscientious? Like, I really want to still continue painting, so maybe I make sure I get an hour this week to pull out my stuff and paint, or is that still not something you've really thought about yet? Um, well, even when I had all the time, I mean, I didn't do that, and it was kind of detrimental to... I mean, I'm really bad at, 
Well, I don't know if I'm really bad. I just don't set concrete goals for myself. I'm yeah. like, I'm going to do whatever I want when I want kind of thing and just play it by ear as far as what sure. I feel like. So I think I definitely need to do that if I want to keep it going. And I don't know. It's hard. I don't have it in my mind that like an hour here is going to be like beneficial to me, but that is really the best way to do it. Mm-hmm. Like I guess I mentioned earlier, working it in around like if I need a break from my homework for a second it's like i reached a good point it's like i want to do something else for a bit like that would be really the best time to do it i mean i'd have that break i need and get something accomplished that i really want to do sure and i'm bad at setting schedules too it's like i don't do that Mm -hmm. so it'd be interesting to see myself do that (laughs) like block out a certain amount of time painting was a little easier um it seemed more aware of how long it was going to take when i get the most done it was really doing that it's like i'm going to try and do something every night it's like i'll have these five guys i'm going to do one layer of this and then i'll be done kind of thing mm-hmm. rather than just being like i'm going to work on these for this many hours or whatever however long i feel like mm-hmm. i think really setting something to accomplish or a certain time to accomplish is what really is going to make anything happen sure yeah and for me a lot of it this has always been my soapbox but i think people kind of need a hobby and a lot of like because we're such a busy society we've kind of lost that aspect of it that was always kind of something about being a man is that (laughs) you had a hobby it was something stupid that you wasted time on but that you got enjoyment is not stupid it's very important (laughs) fair enough then some people it's not a hobby anymore either it just became a lifestyle true and i definitely understand that but to me, it's about having something that you do for fun. Mm-hmm. That is for you. And it's not something that, you know, it's this balance of it shouldn't be something that you do for you that excludes everybody else from your time. It should be something that makes you be better at other things because you're doing it. You know, like, I, I feel like me doing miniatures is better for me to be a better husband, a better father, a better worker, whatever. Because I can spend time and be meticulous and enjoy being meticulous. And then I can use the enjoyment of me being meticulous to go and be meticulous about things that I don't necessarily enjoy because I can see how effective it is when I do assembling models and when I do scratching off sprue lines, you know. And I can be patient when I'm painting a model, when I'm sitting there and putting layer after layer after layer and enjoy being patient and then use that to make you know be more patient at work be more patient at home and to me it's not about finding time to do my hobby it's about making time to do my hobby so that i enjoy doing other things more that's a really great way to think about it for sure i think that's a thing i have done badly it's like if i'm doing hobby i'm wasting my time kind Mm -hmm. of thing and that's a really bad way to look at it i mean because there's definitely that is really good to look for the benefits of it from that standpoint. Even just doing something fun, I mean, puts me in such a better mindset. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, now now that I've done something fun, I'm going to get some work done. Well, and unless you're doing art or you're doing painting or something as your work, it really just uses a completely different part of your brain. Yep. And it allows you to relax that part of your brain that's been thinking about math or been thinking about <laughs> science or been thinking about statistics or, you know, it really allows you to enjoy that and for me part of that is down to you know like i said making time for me i'd love to be able to paint every night for an hour but at this point in time it's really not feasible my wife is over eight months pregnant she needs to have some time to herself 
when I'm home. So I need to concentrate on taking care of my son and taking care of my wife. But on the weekends, there's a little bit more free time. I can kind of expect to get some time done on the weekends. And I can't, unfortunately, say I'm going to spend an hour doing this because my life doesn't allow for that. But I can have my models set out and know that I want to work on them. And so for me, a very big aspect of making sure that I can hobby, that I can spend time on this, is to have my models accessible. And I have all my models in one closet, but I know where every model is. And I know where the model is that I'm working on right now. And making it easy for me to bring them out and then to put them away when I'm done also is very important for me because I have them sitting out. Every time I walk by them, I just think, oh, I've not done anything on that. Oh, I haven't done anything on that again. And I just end up getting depressed that I'm not getting stuff done about something that should be fun. But if I put them away and then I bring them out when I have time to work on them, I'm only depend you know i'm only focusing on it when i have time to focus on it as well that's true i guess it's hard for me to <laughs> think about that because i mean my stuff's all over the freaking place i don't really have a best like uh whatever storage my or, did, yeah. did you well, adopt the konzi storage and, yeah and, uh, I think so. organization a little system? but just like yeah where i live is not very i'm not like set in home there i don't know how to put it <laughs> you're not there. settled i'm not settled that you don't have a place for everything because it's and everything in place. its place yeah, yeah exactly i think i really have that mindset to it which is kind of yeah hard to separate it from that i guess you talking about that did bring up something i did like my hobby table over the summer i mean that's kind of it's actually like an old dining room table i have mm-hmm. in my general living room area and it was, I mean, all my hobby stuff, anything I was working on, that's where it happened. That's my work area, my workstation. And the previous semester, I was doing all my work, like, on my futons, like my sofa. So, I mean, I was doing it there. And that just kind of sucked trying to do homework on yep. So I really needed that desk back. So I I felt really bad about trying to clean it all off to make room for homework. It's like, I don't want to put all this stuff away, you know. It's <laughs> like, that'd be kind of sad. So... I think I have accomplished due of purposing it enough. I have an area where I push my hobby stuff back mm-hmm. and my homework's right at the front, but I can also pull my laptop off, pull my like sheet forward, and my models are right there ready to work on, and it didn't really disrupt what I had going. Mm-hmm. So it's, That's cool. Yeah. So I just got a benefit from that. I did really good that first week. I mean, that's when I accomplished those bolt-action guys, but then lately I haven't put... I haven't like said I'm going to do this. Mm-hmm. I think television is a bane of my existence at the moment yeah i mean i just flip that thing on and get stuck watching something that doesn't effing matter and it just makes <laughs> me kind of it just makes me brain dead and lazy sitting there staring at it i mean i find like the most if i'm just sitting there like i'm not going to sit and stare at the wall mm-hmm. i mean you can sit and stare at a tv and i mean the hours just freaking fly by and yeah. like nothing happens and it's really hard to kind of put your focus on anything else so if that thing's i should just like unplug it like seriously <laughs> and i would I can't even imagine how much stuff I would accomplish. I mean, I just would need to do something. Yep. And I could get a lot done. So I, I do find myself, I, I, you know, you guys tell you're definitely far more busy than I am, but I find myself almost never watching television. You know, if, if, if I have four TVs in this house, massive. one of them massive. is massive <laughs> and the, the other ones are still what most people would consider big. <laughs> uh, I, I consider myself very fortunate to have have that that level of awesome in the house. I mean, I'm not trying to be bashful about it or anything here, but 
you know, when you have a 70-inch TV, you point it out to everybody. <laughs> you know, it's kind of like a measuring stick. <laughs> My TV's mine. It's bigger than yours. <laughs> and I'll tell you what, I'm not still not happy with 70 inches. The fact that they got a 90 out there right now means I want that on my wall. <laughs> you just have to get a custom, like, however much one. Yeah. 100. <laughs> just get one of those, like, you know, ones you can, you can, I've seen, like, they do fabric TVs now and they get the biggest piece of fabric you can find. Uh, I'll tell you what, I, we just, I was really close. I just got, a, I had a $7,500 check given to me and I was really close to going down and putting a serious chunk, or if not the whole thing on, on a 90 the other day. So <laughs> it was pretty rough, but it, that aside, I do find myself very much. The point of this was that I find myself not watching television very often. Mm-hmm. I have as of recently picked up playing video games a little bit more. Um, I picked up Skyrim finally. I, I was mm-hmm. looking for something. I just finished Mass Effect, and I hadn't quite that hadn't quite you know, Mass Effect two and three, and I hadn't quite itched that that video game nerve. And I picked up Skyrim, and that's kind of I got going in that, and then it stopped. Yeah, <laughs> and not for a lack of the game was really cool, but it just uh, your video game I had that was itch, filled up. Yeah. That itch was filled, and I started uh, to get more focused on doing the hobby stuff. And it helps that. Uh, when I go to the hobby room, uh, when I'm in my hobby area, there is no television available. I, can't, I don't even have the option. Right now, it's all unplugged. It's getting ready. <laughs> it's staged to all be moving up here to the studio. Yeah. So that, you know, the studio here is, you know, I mean, we're all sitting in it. It's now much more of a, a comfy, comfortable living area rather than a couple of bad metal chairs. You know, it's, <laughs> so it's, it's getting to be a nice little den area that, you know, I want to use it as a den once in a while rather than just recording studio. I can. Yeah. And I want to get the, you know, I don't use a TV at all in the, in the game room. So I just want to get it out of there and put it somewhere where it'll be used. And it's not something that gets turned on. And whether I'm in that room or, you know, I'm lucky if I watch, I might, I sit down, I'll watch a little bit of the news with the wife when I eat dinner and then I'm out of there and downstairs in the dungeon working on. Something. How did that happen? <laughs> <laughs> Was there ever a point where, I mean, you're just staring at the TV or... I think it used to. I used to yeah. do a lot of television watching. And if I watch television now, it's... I, I, I can't I can't stand it. At this point, I cannot stand watching television when there's commercials on. <laughs> I, I know the feeling. Like, I just... I don't I have, have time. TiVo, I'm like, why do I have to TiVo through the commercials? <laughs> why aren't they just gone? I don't have time to watch commercials. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, if I'm going to... If I'm going to dedicate... 40 minutes to watching television one that television programming better darn well be good <laughs> so that is kind of bad because it's the fall season and i will tell you right now i will almost guarantee i will be in front of the television watching in real time at nine o'clock on abc <laughs> there's a plug castle yeah both because it's nathan fillion and he's awesome and i have a man crush <laughs> <laughs> and <laughs> i won't say that about a lot of people but nathan's pretty awesome Besides that, yeah, and I'm in front of the television for Packer games. Mm-hmm. I probably don't turn. I I might have the TV on if there's football going on in some other game, but I'm not paying attention to it. I'm I'm sitting doing something else. And I'll actually be honest. Uh, during the preseason games, I was doing you know something else while mm-hmm. watching yeah. the Packer game. Even I wasn't the chase for the 49ers game. I was busy freaking the dogs out, screaming at the TV. <laughs> but, but uh. <laughs> but yeah, it's uh, that's kind of the uh, that's kind of the scope of it. I don't watch much television. If I had my choice, if it wasn't for the wife, I wouldn't have. 
I wouldn't have TV here. Yeah, at all. if I That's a lot of money I pay a month to have something a service I don't use. Yeah, if I moved, I would not have any kind of TV service for sure. Yeah. And I could, I, I don't know. I just imagine how much that would benefit. I really like have it. I mean, I always have it on in the background, mm-hmm. and I like being able to work on something and like, like I'll throw in a movie a lot when I want mm-hmm. a hobby, and I mean, I'll catch the parts that I want to see. I know the rest, so I mean, I can't watch something the first time or whatever, mm-hmm. and work on something else. It's like I want to watch it, but yeah. I definitely don't have a problem having it on the background. But there's always times where I just flip it on and I just get stuck there watching whatever Mm -hmm. random sitcoms that come on over and over and whatever other pointless shows. I haven't for the longest time gotten into a TV show where it's like I want to watch this thing just having, I don't know, I never follow the schedule or whatever. It's (laughs) I never go out of my way to make sure I can watch a TV show. It just seems very inconvenient to me. It's like I'll get a DVD or if I had Mm -hmm. like whatever um, it's called. Netflix, Netflix or, or something, yeah, or Hulu, something like yeah, that. Uh, that's how that's you know, how I would watch any kind of show I want to watch. Yep. It's like screw it. I mean, it's nice catching it right away, but there's nothing that. That is the other thing. I think I watch TV for convenience, not yeah. for. Whatever. Yeah, with TV, I, I I'll catch. A, I I, t- I tend to catch series of shows, mm-hmm. and every once in a while, just like my video game fix, uh-huh. I'll get a fix where I I'm like I want to watch some TV, and I'll catch a TV a TV series or something like that. And I will just power through it, mm-hmm. and I'll catch it up. And that's why, like, yep. like if if I get watching TV, it's because I'm watching. I'm really watching Netflix, mm-hmm. or you know, pretty much just watching Netflix, or I guess Amazon Prime. I can watch uh, mm-hmm. you, through Amazon. I can watch TV shows through there too. But I'll just sit there and power through a season mm-hmm. rather than, and then I'm done. And, it, yep. and it's great. There's no commercials, yep. so I'm not. I'm you know my. I'm not wasting fifteen to twenty minutes an episode. Watching commercials, I catch the entire series from beginning to end. Hopefully, I really, it really I, at this point, it's in, inconvenient to me if I if I have to wait six months to continue a se- uh, television series. Sure, yeah. I'm finding that in audiobooks too. I mean, most mm-hmm. of the time when I'm doing hobby <laughs> or something, I'm either listening to audiobooks or I'm listening to podcasts with a heavy tendency to be listening to audiobooks. I'm probably powering through three or four audiobooks a month, which is pretty crazy. Mm-hmm. But it's been really, I mean, those are the kind of things that I find that I find myself enjoying more, although it's annoying now that I have to, I've got like three series out there <laughs> that I'm, I'm audiobook series that I'm waiting on the next book and I'm going to power through that in like a few days and then <laughs> I'll be like, waiting sure, for the next I got to wait now yeah. like years. So that's a really frustrating thing that I know I do. I just get, I don't really know why I do it if I am aware of it. It's just like I haven't made a change to deal with it. I should just go home and unplug the thing when I get freaking home, and yeah, I'll be set. I think if you make a conscientious change to try to change the, I, and I, well, I think yeah. I watch a lot more TV, and then when I che- made a conscientious change to other media, yeah, to audio media, it became so much easier to focus on hobby or yeah. focus on homework or whatever. That, like I, like oh well, I wanna, I wanna work on hobby. Well, I can. I've got a number of. Or I've got to work on something where I've got to do a lot of reading. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I listen to a pod, some of the podcasts out there that there are, and I, and I'm not going to name any, but there are podcasts that I listen to that are, if I don't pay attention to 80% of the podcast, you're not <laughs> losing anything. I don't feel like I've lost anything and I've I caught a few things. Okay. I laugh. That's funny. 
But I, I get the general gist of what they're talking about, but I can focus on reading something or whatever. So they're great. Usually I use listen to those a lot when I'm at work or whatever. They're great shows because it gives me some background audio and I pick out some useful tidbits here and there. Uh, and then if I'm sitting, if, I, if I'm sitting at home, if I'm working on hobby where I'm just doing something like painting and I can get really get into it. And then I, that's where I can get into a really good audiobook or a really good, some of the more podcasts that I really want to enjoy and listen to the entirety because of their, their product, maybe their production value is a little better mm-hmm. or their, I, I find that what they say is far more valuable typically to me than that. That's when I listen to those kind of things. Uh-huh. Yeah. I'll echo what Ben said. It's about for me being intentional. We don't have cable. We, my wife and I refuse to pay for it because we just don't watch anything on it. We have Netflix. I uh, watch like, I mean, one station is fine <laughs> for anything I watch. Yeah. And uh, yeah, we could have Probably cable matters. and like we would like BBC America and we would like a couple of channels on it, but we just don't see the value of paying for it. And for me, uh-huh. it's knowing the things that I do that distract me from it. Like if I'm reading a book, I will read the book until it's done. And so if I've got a, 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 deadli- a deadline or a checklist that I want to get stuff done by, I intentionally won't start reading a new series of books because I'd rather do hobby. You know, and if I'm, if I'm watching Netflix, I'm watching a series I know. So to me, it's not a distraction because I've already seen this episode. I enjoy rewatching, you know, Mythbusters or Top Gear or stuff like that. I've already seen it. I enjoy seeing it again and I'll look up when I'm interested in it, like you said before. Yep. And for me, video games by myself is pointless. I just get sucked in and I just keep playing and playing and playing and I don't stop until, you know, I am so exhausted that I can't (laughs) play anymore. And I've actually, I was so disappointed in like how much time I was wasting on video games that I don't actually play video games by myself at all. I I think that happened to me too. I mean, I don't even enjoy them anymore. No, It's just like, I don't, like I used to like, I really good game a really mm-hmm. long winning game yeah, no problem sitting there but yeah it just got to i'm like why am i doing <laughs> yeah, for me, it's like i don't really feel like i accomplished anything after i mean it mm-hmm. was a cool experience or whatever but i haven't played a game in like a few years even yeah not taking, out of gaming not taking away anything from people that do enjoy video Definitely gaming not. a lot but for me i i can't i have a real hard time dealing with stuff that there's no tangible evidence that you have done anything uh-huh. so Video games is a really good example for me. All you have is a little couple of electronic blips that say you've completed this task, you've completed this task, you've completed this task. And also in a real world version of it, I did uh, music for a long time. And that really frustrated me because there was no tangible sign that I had necessarily spent hours and hours and hours on it. Because every performance, you have to be perfect. Otherwise, it doesn't show that you've actually done anything. If that makes sense. And so I actually started doing art and eventually miniatures because of that desire to have something in my hand when I'm done. And that's what I really enjoy about Warhammer. If I spend 15 minutes even assembling a model, here, this is my 15 minutes. I've assembled a model. Mm -hmm. I've done work. And it's the same thing with painting and it's the same thing with playing a game. I've spent, you know, two hours with Ben. I've spent two hours playing with Brian. Like I've spent two hours quality time with someone else. Because I'm playing this game. That would help to look at it that way for me, too. I'm learning stuff. Yeah. No, <laughs> like, that's the main thing. I really haven't figured it out. I mean... Mm-hmm. And that's... I mean, when I'm as busy as I am, and, like, Warhammer is not my first priority. Uh-huh. And in my life, it shouldn't be my first priority. 
But if Warhammer isn't a priority, I won't do it. And if I don't do Warhammer, I'm not happy. I mean, like, it sounds really stupid and superficial for me to say it like that, but there was four years when I had Warhammer in my house and I didn't play it, I didn't paint it, I didn't assemble it. And it's something I really enjoy. It might be a character yeah. flaw or whatever, but it's it's something that really well, it helps me to enjoy, you know, everything else. It just happens to be a hobby you like or whatever. I mean, that's what a hobby is supposed to do. Exactly. <laughs> so it's not necessarily that it's Warhammer Fantasy. I mean, you weren't doing your hobby. and Yeah, I wasn't doing a hobby. You know, yeah. like, I even would bring up my models and, like, set them up in battle scenes just to, like, do something with yep. it because it's what I enjoy. It's what I want to do you know like i think that's what happened to me too i mean when that's what i'm trying to get the hold of now and figure out how to do it is i mean it's like i need to have that time it's beneficial Mm -hmm. it's not a waste yeah i mean and for me i can do that because i have an art degree i've done all kinds of stuff that wastes a ton of time it has no (laughs) tangible outlet but i know that there's a value from it i mean i've spent five years of my life working on ceramics and i have like three pieces of art that are left that I did. But none of that time was ever a waste. It was probably some of the most enjoyable time I'd ever spent. Just sitting there working with the clay. Like when you have an art degree or a music degree, you understand the benefit of just doing something. Yeah. Of disciplining yourself in a specific manner and how that can affect everything else that you're doing. Thinking about it now, like, I mean, I've tried to describe how, like, I just don't really run myself on a set schedule at all Mm -hmm. i mean i'm really bad at wanting to commit to stuff it's like i know in my head it's like i'll be there but yeah (laughs) but i don't want to tell you that i'll be there just in case something comes up or i've got too much homework like i know nothing will freaking come up like i didn't even i don't think i even said yes i was going to be here for sure like (laughs) i I don't think i said those exact words verbally told me you were going to be i think so yeah you i don't think you actually this is one of the few times you didn't actually act the invite as a yes i think i know i I know i didn't do that but i think yeah when i saw you last week or whatever it's like i mean or even before it's like yeah i'll be there Mm -hmm. but for some reason it just didn't seem like a definite thing in my head but like scheduling time for just myself i mean i'm aware of scheduling stuff with other people or whatever <laughs> that's yeah. like kind of how it has to happen if i show up here and ben's not here that's really, <laughs> really accomplished anything so that makes perfect sense but like what sh- should i say i'm gonna do like one thing Sometimes this night should i say i'm gonna take an hour to do whatever this such and such i know in the past two weeks i haven't like done anything like i haven't done any hobby or gaming at all I'm going to say that it, from my perspective, and I'm not the busy guy here, but I think from my perspective, what I've talked to and worked with people that are busy guys, that it comes down to turning it into part of your routine almost. Uh-huh. You know, it's your routine to get up in the morning and shower, maybe have breakfast, go to work, whatever, you know, that's, that's your routine. Well, if you make it part of your routine that, okay, I got home from work, First thing I'm going to do is sit down and put 20 minutes into assembly and one hobby task. Yeah. And that a hobby task might be assemble five guys or, or assemble the hobby one task guy. might be <laughs> no. put, put, uh, you know, one set of paint coats on these five models, whatever that is, knock that out. And then, and then, okay, from then, then once I'm done with that, now I can go eat, and now the rest of the evening's for my homework. Sure. And when the homework's done, then I have enjoy time. 
uh-huh. you know, rather than, you know, or whatever that might be. I mean, you know, it's, it's far more random, I think, for like, you know, when you have, when you have kids in the mix, like in mm-hmm. Paul's situation, but like with your situation, I think you could do that and do, be really successful at it. And even when you have kids, as they get older, you can, you can adjust that somewhat because at some point they've got to go do homework too. So now you make it a part of their routine that, okay, you get home from school, you don't get to go play games or have fun or run around. You need to go, you need to do this first. And then when you get done with that, then we eat. And if you're done with that, then you get an hour or two of your own time yeah. or, you know, you set those routines and we, you know, we did that as kids. You get out of that as we get out of that, especially with you know, the first. I don't, I, I personally, I, I got out of that a lot when I was first probably 10, 12 years out of, out of high school. Mm-hmm. But then when I went back to college, it really forced me to start having to get things. If I was going to get anything done, mm-hmm. I had to get into a routine and start, yeah. and start making myself have time for some it's, of these things. I guess for me personally, like, as far as, I mean, my homework's the, problem i mean my work's like set i mean i go i go to work and when i'm not at work i don't have to do anything for work mm-hmm. but my homework it still seems really random to me although it is pretty set thinking about it but my chunks are like one week i have to do these things and this week next mm-hmm. week i'll have another set of things and so i don't really have like a if i want to accomplish my whole week's worth of stuff it's going to take me all week to do it so i'm never going to get to anything mm-hmm. and that's kind of usually what happens so I don't really have those smaller chunks to figure out. Well, I think Ben had a good idea with, as soon as you come home, just spend five, ten minutes doing something. Designate what, yeah. that little time. I was going to mention, I think that's how I get caught with the TV, is because usually I'll come home, I'll sit down, I'll relax. I, like, mm-hmm. I want a, a second to relax. I don't exactly. really like diving into something, but then I get stuck there because yeah. I'm watching whatever stupid crap. And then So, I, I mean, I don't really there. like to do work the second I get home so that wouldn't be the best for me but i'm not sure <laughs> i think if you're looking if you're thinking of hobby as work and yeah. not as well, a mental relax yeah. from the focus of whatever it was you were doing before i like a second yeah. to sit down and be lazy i guess is what i'm trying <laughs> i think i think a lot of us do trying to yeah. say i'm usually pretty beat after my yeah. freaking long ass day maybe it's changing the media rather than tv yeah. changing it to an audio media because all of a sudden I know a lot of people, if you, if you don't have multiple inputs coming in, uh-huh. it's really easy to sit down and in like five minutes be like, I want to go do something. I need to do something with my hands or I need to do something visually. It's hard mm-hmm. to just sit down and, okay, well, I flipped on some tunes uh-huh. and now I'm just going to sit here and listen to this song <laughs> because it's really cool. Okay. After one song, you're like, okay, I'm relaxed. I need to go do something. Yeah. yeah. I think that's, I mean, I, that's what I really want to do. I mean, if I don't have TV, I'm probably not going to sit in dead silence or whatever. I mean, I would flip some music on or something. That's usually when I find I accomplish yeah. quite a bit. Just, well, I think TV is my bane. Yeah. I think I started with that. It's just I'll flip it on. I'll get stuck there watching something that so, doesn't effing matter. So make, yeah. maybe yeah. make a commitment to when you get home. Don't touch TV. Yeah, that's what I mean by unplugging the thing. That's the only time I watch it. I mean, Mm -hmm. I have it on in the morning when I'm, like, getting together and eat breakfast or whatever. Yeah. And then I usually have it on. I The only time I want to watch is if I'm, like, eating something. I'll watch whatever. Well, and it's not, you know, you don't have to treat it like it's something that's wrong or evil. You just have to say, I know that this isn't helpful and I'm not going to do it. And, you know, after you do it for a week or two weeks, it just becomes second nature. Oh, I'm not going to turn on the TV because I'm just yeah. going to waste time in front of I would it. like to, I mean, watch it when I want that lazy second when I get home or whatever. But the mm-hmm. thing is that turns into like 
what would be good as like a half hour at most turns mm-hmm. into like three or something stupid like that. Exactly. <laughs> sure. Sword clash. Yeah. <laughs> or, I mean, it could even just be as simple as you set a half hour sleep timer on your television. That would be kind of change sit down, change the media that you're watching too. Uh-huh. Instead of instead of it being well, regular television program, yeah, exactly. When you get home, you're well. I guess what I mean, TV. In, I uh, mean, like I'll turn on broadcast satellite or whatever. The yeah, fuck is on. yeah, yeah. You throw it, or, or my case, that's another thing. I guess I do when I do turn the TV on and it's just me at home. I throw on demand on. Sure. So I'm not necessarily watching live TV. I'm watching. Mm-hmm. A, I think they set it up to like roll you into whatever the frick comes on next. I mean, yeah. whatever you're watching doesn't really end until the next thing's yeah, already. It would be different started. with Dish. I know with, I know with <laughs> yeah. Charter's Cable here, it's, it, you watch a program and then you have to actually yeah. actively go watch, yeah. choose the next program. Yeah. That but Netflix does that where you'll actively, but that's where well, I get into yeah. when I watch. When I watch Netflix, well, they I recently, power through seasons. They recently changed that, too. I mean, now, like, the next episode starts in, like, five seconds. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Like, before you actually yeah. had to go It does, it does stop and check with you to see if you're still yeah, watching. Yeah, it's just telling you. This is like the third, third You're going to be yeah. stuck here when yeah. this happens in five seconds. Exactly. So. <laughs> just so you know. <laughs> it's like, I've heard a lot of people complain about that reason. <laughs> I actually don't mind that because I like I love having that. the noise. Yeah, I would I'm like that, too. I'm doing stuff when I'm doing I'm not doing other stuff. Yeah. When it happens, I think it, I would really like to have Netflix or something like that. I mean, that's why I think whenever I'm watching TV, it's always something I don't necessarily want to watch. I mean, it's just like the best I happen to find that was on or whatever, mm-hmm. and I just get stuck there staring at it. Fair enough. I think that was a pretty good discussion about how to find time. Yeah, yeah. I think so. I think it's about time we go ahead and take a break, and when we come back, we'll go ahead and wrap up the show. Today on Cozy's Rant, I'm going to rant about some sissy high elves. That's right, high elf players. If you take offense by this Cozy's Rant, then you're exactly the high elf pansies I thought you were. So I'm going to rant about about high elves, and particularly, I cannot say this (laughs) word, and particularly... The silly color schemes that you high elf players think make your high elves look all bad and tough. It's the sissiest army just about I've ever seen on the table with their pansy little headdresses that are so, like, huge that they have, like, super strong necks. But the rest of them, obviously their neck strength is so strong that they should just bash people in the head with their foreheads. Rather than swinging at them with their lousy swords, they'd probably be strength four if they actually did that. Instead, they try to hit things with swords, so they're strength three. Because they're pansy elves. <laughs> Anyways, if you're going to paint your elves, don't paint them in the blue and whites, the reds. Step up, paint your elves in a proper color. That's right, paint them in pink. This message has been brought to you by Conzie's Rant. <laughs> I was going to ask you what color schemes you were talking about, but apparently it's everything not pink. Yep. I always <laughs> belong in pink. So, Brian, now that we've talked about being busy and trying to find ways to maybe help fill that hobby itch while also making time in a real busy schedule, you think you might be able to plan out or come up with a plan to maybe get some hobby done in the next few weeks? Yeah, plan like coming up with a plan is the hard part for me. 
like I said. So if I can figure that out, that would be a happy, <laughs> happy goal. <laughs> figure out what I can do to make sure I actually accomplish something. I mean, I think I can handle it. would be cool to be over here on the weekend again. I think that's my best chance for time to actually play. And when I play, I mean, that makes me want to do hobby stuff. So Sure. And then working that in, like, my the middle of my week is just pretty rough. I mean, I don't have much time where I'm not at school or work. And then there's a few nights where I have to do, like, a certain... Well, I have it where I do a certain homework on that night, so it doesn't really leave much room. But... Being that I know I don't really accomplish much during the week, that'd probably be the best time to sneak that little hour or so in and just get something done in the hobby. So I can see that happening. And if I unplug my satellite, that would help. <laughs> too. That might be a goal. Just to run without it and see how that works. Okay. That's definitely, I can see that. So you kind of alluded to being coming over, maybe swinging by, doing some stuff on the weekends. Uh-huh. Of course, we've, we always talked about doing doing that with a podcast when we do record to to spend some time playing a game or doing something else hobby whatever during that day to try to help yeah make it you know that be make it for that full experience so that you're gathering and and in being that full you're getting in that gaming mindset before you sit down and have to talk about gaming but uh i think another thing that we want to point out is that we're recording this episode on september 14th and next weekend, which is the 21st, Conzie's putting on a hobby day here. Uh-huh. So we're hopefully, fingers crossed, you're not going to be too busy and you'll be able to swing by for a little work, at least on that Dark Elf Tower. So that can be a goal. Yeah, I guess that'll really be an all-day thing. Like It always seems like I usually don't have much going on, but whenever there is something that I would like to do, there's also multiple things I have to choose from, so there was mention I couldn't make it to a bike ride today with some friends, so hopefully I could do that next week, but I can probably make it here after, no problem, so I think I could handle both, but then, I mean, that's a big chunk of sure, time, sure. and like, I guess you were talking about playing hobby and then doing the cast is really, I mean, that's definitely beneficial, but that's a big chunk of time. It is. It is. When you don't have a lot of time, and yeah. sometimes it's what we have to do. Because that's the thing with like blocking out time to be done. It's like I don't feel like I can get that much done in an hour, but an hour of hobby is actually quite a little bit. I mean, that'll be quite a bit of work done. Yeah. No, It's it, and it doesn't have to be that. And that keeps me away from game night a lot and stuff like that, where it's like, wow, that's like all my night taken up to do that. It kind of scares me away. Sure. So, I mean, I'll definitely be here for some of it. I want to work on that freaking tower man i'll have to designate some sign if it's going to be anywhere close to done hopefully hopefully i can finish it up well only got a couple months (laughs) we're rooting for you yeah i i think i've got a number of terrain projects that i've got working on right now i've got the gw arcane ruins that i need to get based and painted up um and that's going to go on the same that same table that has the wizard's tower and the prison tower that i put from the her stars range that's going to go on that same table um that i've already got finished up and then i've got a fountain that you, i think you saw the base for it yeah you're working on I've got a, when i got you. yeah i was just putting some more paint out getting it ready i want to pour resin where the water goes and then i've got to get some fishing line to to make oh, this okay. water come out of the spouts i was wondering how that was going to happen that'll be cool yeah I think that'll look, that's the recommended her starts method. I'm going to have those going into the resin and I'll pour over the resin then kind of around it so it'll hold it in place. Nice. And then I'll, and then I'll be able to glue the, the loose strands then into place in the, the, 
those kind of gargoyle whatever faces uh, so that it'll look like there's water pouring out. And then uh, I've got that I'm going to finish. I've got, I guess I said, the Arcane Ruins. Those are projects that I want to finish. I've got some trees I ordered from Amazon that I'm going to use for various tables. So I need to make some forest stands as well for and and get those you know at least cut so that I can start making them. And I've I want to finish up. I've I've got the the first section of a river section with the, or the bridge section of it that I did the Hearstarts Bridge, that cobblestone bridge, and now I'm ready to do. The, actually, it's a fieldstone bridge, not cobblestone bridge. But I, I've got the, I've got the base for it all fleshed out. The foam's cut. I need to glue the sand in place now. Get that painted up and get the resin poured for that. And that piece will be done. I mean, it's really. I've probably got four to five hours of actual work. Probably less than that. Probably two hours of real work to do on that project. And that's that'll including be done. the rest of the river. But that—that's just doing that one little section. Oh, okay. That's not doing yeah. the rest of the river. <laughs> that makes sense. The rest of the river will probably take me another eight to ten hours of sure. of work. I would think, and that's not counting resin dry times and stuff like that, because that gets into days. But it's like, okay, well, I pour the resin. Well, I'll just yeah. sit there for days. Well, it sets up. So I got that. I've got uh, a hammer on the paint table that I've got about three quarters of the way done. Well, actually, probably about halfway done right now. He's all base coated up. Just figuring out your scheme. Exactly. Yeah, fiddling with the scheme on a different model a little bit, trying to see where the colors fall, see how I like it on that model versus the uh, Avatars of War one because the Avatars of War one had a cloak and stuff, so it was a little bit different, uh, different for the colors to kind of fall on the model. And I really do think I'm going to use the GW hammers for my hammers with this army. So I'm fiddling with the color scheme there, and that's where I get into the I don't know if I like it or not. But I wanted to finish up that test model and see see really when all the highlights are kind of done on it, what it falls into and what it looks like. So I've got a, I've got some project goals there. Lots I really, of terrain. I really got to get back to <laughs> painting up something in bulk. Like I really like to do some Starship Troopers, or I've got a pile of Mantic Elves now. Lots and lots of Mantic Elves. I could just crack out some of those too, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. Okay, I think we kind of already did a little bit of a show recap, but we did talk a lot about trying to find time and how do you find time in a really busy schedule to keep yourself motivated on moving on, not only gaming, but actually working on the hobby. Uh, we did talk in our gaming spotlight today about the game Escape, Curse of the Temple. Our cheese curd, we got into talking about Lizardmen, actually. So we actually got some really good material, I think, about Lizardmen. We talked a little bit about the Skyboard Dwarves from from their fantasy range. And, of course, we had all our other favorite segments, Conzie's Rant and all that kind of stuff. And Paul was here. Yeah, Paul was here. It was great to have him on the show. Unfortunately, he had to leave before we did this last segment. But it's great to have had him around and be able to record with him again. It was a lot of fun. How do you get a hold of the show or host, Brian? We have a website, I think. There's a website? I think you can email us too or something from there, the There's website. email? What yeah. what are these things? What what's what do you know what the website address is? What's that? <laughs> you know, is No, it, I think we got wiscodice.com. What was that? Did you say it was wiscodice.com? No, it was wiscodice.com. Oh, okay, I got it. <laughs> and you can email you can email the hosts. What was that address? It's at Wisco Dice or hosts at Wisco Dice. Hosts at WiscoDice.com. Okay. That makes sense. And of course, you can catch us on iTunes, Blackberry Podcasts. Just 
and or Stitcher Smart, Smart Radio. We're all up in the all social those, medias, Yep, too. we are all over the social medias, whether that's Facebook, Twitter, Google+. Catch us on all of those. It's, we'll be happy to chat with you or, or communicate. Tell us what you thought of the shows. Like our Facebook posts. Share them. Post Re, your you own. Know, favorite, favorite and retweet our, our Twitter posts when our episodes come out. We really appreciate that. And of course, uh, any of those, we did mention the iTunes, Blackberry podcast, Stitcher Smart Radio as far as where you can find us to download us from outside of the website. But please leave us reviews on those. Uh, we do try to check those out periodically and see see what people have you know people are saying about the show. And if you've got feedback, please leave it. Let other people know. We we do our best to try to put on a great show. We've spent uh, some time and in, in money and in investing in in trying to make the future of this show even better than what it's been in the past. And we'll keep doing that for you guys, our listeners. So thanks a lot for listening. We're out. Yes, it was great. I organized having Paul here. It was kind of good to have him on. You guys have been kind of suck lately, so having somebody on that kind of actually wanted to talk about Warhammer, yeah, yeah, that was great. Yeah, we have some more Paul. <laughs> yeah, I never thought I'd say that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was kind of the fans' He's job. Back. Well, you you must not have listened to the tail end of thirty nine B because he actually I missed it. Talked there, yeah. Yeah, after you left the studio, he kind of kicked in and told me that he was gonna he he had worked with Paul to have him here today. <laughs> so I don't know. He's been kind of dissatisfied with us lately. So we'll see. What a bum! Yeah, what a big bum! All right, all right. Thanks a lot, folks, for listening. Yeah. Peace out. <laughs>